Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to keeping it strong style The ace of podcasts On the social suplex podcast network Jeremy Donovan here, joined by the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be previewing and giving our predictions for the G1 Supercard, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. This episode of Keeping It Strong Style is brought to you by Powerslam.tv. Powerslam TV is an independent streaming service with over 4,000 hours of wrestling from companies all across the world. If you use the promo code Social Suplex, you'll get your first month 
free of Power Slam TV. Also, make sure to check out our Pro Wrestling Tees, prowrestlingtees.com slash social suplex to get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. And it is WrestleMania week, and our big Suplex Mania event is coming up April 7th at the Hooters across from Madison Square Garden. We'll be doing a live podcast from 5 to 7, and then at 7 we'll be streaming WrestleMania at the Hooters. So come on out. If you're not going to WrestleMania and you don't have any plans, we would love for you guys to join us. And like we mentioned last week, we were bringing in a very special guest and it's my pleasure to introduce Amy Euler, better known as at PhoenixNJBW on Twitter. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are a wonderful podcast. I've been following you for a while, so it's fantastic to be here. Here's what I want to know. Whose side is she on? <laughs> She's the third woman. <laughs> um, and Amy, you were just like, an awesome person in the wrestling community. Your Twitter posts are just, you just see, you just, you, the excitement for wrestling just jumps off all your tweets. You've done a lot of writing for Voices of Wrestling and the New Japan um, Year in Book. You've done some writing for us, for our prediction columns on Social Suplex. So it's, it's just so happy to finally be able to talk to you and have you on the show. Well, thank you so much. I really, really love New Japan Wrestling. I love this community of people who really just enjoy watching it and talking about it and just sharing the thrill and love of New Japan Professional Wrestling. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, so let's start. How did you start watching New Japan? Oh, <laughs> and, and okay. And Rezu in general. So um, I was a WWF fan back in the late 90s and then life took off and I just kind of stopped watching wrestling for about 15 years. Um, my husband, however, was like staying up until three o'clock in the morning to watch some Japanese wrestling show. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea what it was. I was like, gosh, what are you doing? So he tells me that there's this uh, upcoming event with some guy named Kenny Omega and Jericho. And the last I had seen of Jericho, he had this ridiculous ponytail and it was just the stupidest thing. So I was really like, curious to see if this was the same Jericho. So I stayed up with him and I watched it and was completely blown away by the wrestling that I was seeing on the screen. It was so different from everything that I had been used to. Everything from the slow starts to the strength building to the storytelling that's played out in the ring where you don't have these over-the-top promos, everything is laid out. Everything is happening right there yes. in the ring during that match, and it was incredible. And not to mention the athleticism was so different from what I was used to. So from that ma match on, I was completely hooked. Yeah, I mean, like the athleticism, I mean, the first thing I show people who are kind of laps wrestling fans, I'll show them a clip of like Will Ospreay doing a space tiger uh, flying drop. And they're like, whoa, like that was incredible. Like this is the stuff you're watching. I, um, this past week, I told my brother that he didn't know I had this podcast. And I was like, yeah, actually, I run like one of the most successful New Japan podcasts on the internet. And he's like, what? And uh, he's a laps wrestling fan. So... Last night, he texts me, and he's like, yeah, I'm checking this stuff out on YouTube and The Wire, and, and he's like, I'm about to watch this Issaca retirement show. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, you should watch Wrestle Kingdom. He's like, I'm going to watch something else. And then he was like, I just watched my first fight. It was a Naito match. And I was like, oh, yeah, Naito's great. He's like, he lost his belt. And I was like, 
who did he fight? He's like, uh, some young built guy. He's Japanese. He hit him with double knees to pin him. I was like, oh, Abushi? <laughs> watched the Kota Abushi match? He's like, yeah. He's like, the game's really changed. <laughs> like, his favorite wrestler growing up was like, you know, Steamboat. So he was like, I can't believe the athleticism of these guys. And I was like, yeah, dude, like, it's, it's, it's different now. Yeah, it's amazing. My favorite wrestler for a long time was a toss-up between Stone Cold and The Rock. And I still love them and I still appreciate them, especially for their promo skills. But man, when you look at people like Ibushi or Osprey or the storytelling of Okada and his championship reign and his fall and him trying to reclaim that glory again, like it's just so different and really meaningful because it's so layered and so deep. Do you, yeah. do you know what we love? And we, we say this a lot in the show, but we haven't talked about it in a while. One thing that me and Jeremy like wind up talking about a lot is how we appreciate not only the big stars, but guys that don't matter as much. Like, you know, like, uh, who, like, who, who, like a juice Robinson yeah. or like a chase Owens. chase Owens, Hanare, these guys that you get invested into who are on the low totem end of the pole. And you, you, you know, you compare that with like WWE and it's like, the guys at the bottom don't really matter, but here you get invested with like just small little like story arcs of these guys that are lower mid cards and people are fans of them. They, they're so invested, you know, like a desperado or something. Yeah. And uh, even the, the, the young lions and the young boys, yes. I mean, getting invested in their stories and their rivalries and how they came to the dojo and watching them grow and get better um, you know, they did that Young Lions Cup in December of 2017 when we started the I show. Love that. And it was just so great, like, showing off, like, all the Young Lions and what they're capable of. Yeah, actually, one of the people that I'm really excited about watching this year is Shota Umino and also Ren Narita. Um, it's been really great watching these people go through the Young Lion system and come up and really start to care about them. I was thrilled when we saw Shota in the New Japan Cup this year because you can really see how much stock New Japan puts behind him. And also, he and Ren Narita both having singles matches in Honor Rising. This is my first time following Young Lions. So I'm really excited to see if they go on excursion or if they just jump right into New Japan's roster. But it's really fun watching these people and their incredible talent get showcased on the New Japan stage. My, my problem is that they keep putting red shoes in there to uh, officiate Umino's matches. You know nepotism's got to play into that. For sure. <laughs> Actually, Kevin Kelly mentioned that. I think it was on air um, during the New Japan Cup. And he was talking about how he had talked with Red Shoes and was like, hey, so what was it like, you know, refereeing your son's match? And he was saying how he treated it like every other match, but he couldn't wait for it to be over because he was still nervous about it. And um, he had asked him how his son had done. And he was like, eh, he was okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, Umino had one of the best matches of the New Japan Cup with Tanahashi. I adore that match. Yeah, it's just incredible to see him get the opportunity to wrestle guys like Tanahashi and some of these upper card guys. It just makes you think that he's going to be primed for excursion soon. Oh, absolutely. I cannot wait to see what his career looks like. So with your husband being a fan, is there any chance that we're going to see him on uh, the Dragon's Den or doing any podcasting with you? Yes, actually, I believe so. We have been doing uh, the Full Gear Challenge with uh, AEW and sort of that journey to get into full gear and it's kind of like a fitness <laughs> thing. Um, and because that was kind of his silly 
joke but also serious thing and then it took off into this big thing we're going to have him on to talk about that and of course i think we'll probably have him on to talk about the msg show and the g1 in dallas because we'll be attending both of those too awesome so who is your favorite new japan pro wrestler right now Oh, boy. Right now, it would probably be a toss-up between Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi. Both of them are phenomenal in different ways, but I love the intensity that they both bring. I love the athleticism, and I love the uh, fact that I don't know if the scaffolding is going to be safe in any of their matches. (laughs) Yeah. What they're going to jump off of. (laughs) You were probably... uh like completely torn during Wrestle Kingdom then, huh? Oh my gosh. That was the most exciting thing ever. <laughs> to have Osprey and Ibushi kick off Wrestle Kingdom? Are you kidding? That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was incredible. You know, we were at um, WrestleMania weekend last year in New Orleans. We were at the Rev Pro show and there was a multi-man tag match where Osprey and Ibushi were on opposite teams. And that was the first time that it really touched. And it was like, oh my gosh, I hope one day we see these guys go one-on-one and then fast forward a year later, they're opening Wrestle Kingdom. Oh man. Let me ask you a quick question, Amy, because those two guys are your favorite wrestlers and we get this kind of question all the time. Who do you think is more likely, or not more likely, but who do you think will get an IWGP title run first? Will Ospreay or Ibushi? Ibushi, hands down. If, if, yeah, I had him actually um, slated. I had this like, I'm going to pretend I'm Gato. And <laughs> um, I, yeah, I had had Ibushi sweeping the G1 this year and sort of having his rematch at the finals with Tanahashi, except this time instead of losing because he's not ready yet, he overcomes his last hurdle and wins. But I think maybe, depending on how MSG goes, that might go to someone else. But I definitely think Ibushi is going to get it before Osprey. But I do think Osprey is going to be chasing that title sooner than anyone would have expected this year. Mm, confidence. I like it. <laughs> so uh, what's your uh, favorite match that you've seen so far? Uh, Okada and Omega 4, hands down. 100%. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. that, that match is incredible. Um, that match, it won our match of the year in our year in award for 2018. And uh, I just remember watching the matches, how invested we were in that whole rivalry of Kenny and Okada and, and wanting Kenny to win the belt so badly and just so badly. Yeah. Oh, man. It's such, such a great match. That match was incredible. It was the only time I've ever been brought to tears watching a wrestling match because of how good it was and how invested we were, not only in the storyline, but the match itself, which created its own elevated storyline. And then having the emotional aftermath with these small, subtle things that New Japan does so well, like Kenny Omega seeing the belt that he had fought and trained so hard to get and walking right past it to reconcile with his friends first before getting that belt. And that just, the whole thing was incredible. It's the best wrestling match I've ever seen. Yeah, we, um, you know, we can definitely be like in a, in a, like a little bubble with our wrestling fandom, but like, you're not going to get a hipster take from this podcast. You know, we're not going to be one of those podcasts. Be like, ah, I don't think it was that. No, it's the best match I've ever seen in my yeah, life. I don't know how anybody after watching that match <laughs> can be like, ah, it was okay. It was all right. Like, <laughs> that match was phenomenal. Like, I've been watching wrestling since I was four years old. And, like, that was hands down the best pro wrestling match that I've watched to date. Off topic, off topic you know what match always brings me 
like pretty close to tears and I can't watch it anymore. What? The retirement match, WrestleMania seven. I can't watch it. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's passed away. All the major players from that match. And like the part where like Gorilla Monsoon's like, she loves him. <laughs> She's always loved him. And I, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Aww, I that. So now I have to go back and watch that. That's great. <laughs> and um, so before we jump into um, G1 Supercard, we have one more question here. This one comes from our Reddit user, Muzza underscore 44. And he wants to know what our top five uh, New Japan theme songs are. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm going to go number one is Osprey because that song, like, gets me pumped up every time I hear Great it. Song. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I listened to it before we started recording this, actually. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> the, uh, the second one is Naito's theme song, and I cannot hear it without the Naito chants in my head. And if I hear it without it, it doesn't sound right. So it's <laughs> it's definitely there. Um, Okada's Rainmaker theme song, it was so great to hear that with him coming back as the Rainmaker. Yeah. Um, Ibushi, you know when you hear a Golden Star theme song that you're going to be in for a treat. Yeah. And of course, Suzuki, because who doesn't love singing Kaze Ninare? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, so for me, my top five, uh, number one, uh, I have Kenny Omega. I know technically he's not a New Japan, you know, full-time New Japan person right now. Nah, he's gone, bro. Nah, he, he's, you need to make peace with this. No, nah, he's still on the website. <laughs> he has it in his pocket. <laughs> I feel song. you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, Kenny's theme song I love, uh, number, number one. Number two would be uh, Okada's Rainmaker theme. Uh, number three for me is Naito. For Suzuki, and the number five for me is uh, Hiroki Goto. Ooh, like that slow start is epic. Yeah, it's so epic, and then it ramps up. I'm like, all right, let's go. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> so I'm gonna go number one. I think the best New Japan theme song right now that's out there is Naito's theme song. Just every time I hear it, it's just like the most high energy, like like 1990s, like Sega Genesis type theme song. I love it. Um, number two, Okada's theme song, the Rainmaker uh, theme song. Number three would have to be uh, Suzuki. Number four, kicking it old school, Tiger Mask. Go, go, Tiger. Yes. <laughs> um, and then number five is Jushin Thunder Liger's theme song, which I freaking love. Yeah, that's, a good, that's another good one. And I've got a few I need to mention because I don't think they count anymore, but like Shinsuke Nakamura's theme song, um, Shibata's theme song, um, High Energy, the first uh, Tanahashi theme song. Mm -hmm. Like, those three, like, oh, my God. And, uh, yeah. Dude, yeah, there's so many good themes. There's so many. Um, so now we're going to uh, jump in in our conversation about uh, G1 Supercard. Um, and so before we break this card down, we had a question from Reddit user Asai Yojimbo. He wants to know, what do we think of Juice Robinson as U.S. champ not having a match at MSG? What do you think about that, Amy? Oh, man. So I was really concerned that that's what they would do. This entire time towards the end of the New Japan Cup, uh, they were talking about how they wanted to do it sooner than Madison Square Gardens, how Juice really wanted to get it done. And I was like, what better way to really solidify yourself as a firm U.S. champion than by defending with a legitimate defense 
in the U.S., just like how he won the belt in the U.S. And so I'm really actually kind of disappointed that he doesn't have a legitimate title defense at Madison Square Garden. At the same time, the card does look really great. And from the New Japan side, it looks like they've got some really solid title defenses there. So I just hope that they know what they're doing <laughs> with Juice's U.S. title because this is the first time I feel like we actually have some legitimacy with it, and I would really like to see that continue. Yeah, it seems like, you know, the whole purpose of the U.S. championship was to be, like, a main title that would be defended here in the States on all their big shows. Of course, they started it off with um, Kenny Omega as the first champion, and they switched it over to Jay White, and now Juice has been the champion. Um, there was a Cody stint in between, but yeah, you would think with the U.S. title, the whole the sole purpose of it was to be the main belt that's defended in the U.S., that it would have a spot on the Madison Square Garden card. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear here. I think that, and I believe this to be the case, Juice is going to have a match, even if it's in the Rumble. He's going to be on the card. Um, but it is, you know, pretty disappointing that he's not going to have a title defense here. Um I think that's some good a good way for them to cover up with a storyline to say, oh, he was so adamant that he would defend it in Japan. Like, I'm sure Juice Robinson didn't want to defend it <laughs> in the biggest, like, U.S. show they've ever done. I'm sure that's, right. that's real. But, um, you know, ah, man, it's exactly what you said, Jeremy, just the fact that this title had a, a purpose and a designation. And when Kenny had the belt, it felt like that was what it was going to be for. And then we went through the lull periods and then they put it on juice and it felt like we were, we were on our way and then the G1 happened and yeah, it's been disheartening. I mean, if I would have booked it, if I was Gato um, stealing life from Amy, um, you know, I would have had as much as people were happy for uh, Chase Owens to do get the upset during the, um, you know, during the uh, new Japan cup, I would have rather had juice win his first match, then get defeated by Ishii then had Ishii and him square off for the title in Madison Square Garden. I feel like that would be a better match and something that people, you know, be look, more looking forward to. But now we don't know what Ishii is doing. Now we don't know what Juice is doing. And it, it kind of sucks, honestly. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, if you would have booked that, then you would have had Ishii as the U.S. champ. There's no <laughs> way. <laughs> I mean, I love Juice Robinson, but there's no way that I'm calling him over Ishii. Um, but I, you do bring up a good point. Where is Ishii in the Madison Square Garden G1 card? I mean, you can't possibly think that he's going to be in the Honor Rumble. I mean, maybe he certainly could be, but he really should have a match. <laughs> yeah, he should. I mean, after his amazing performance in the New Japan Cup, being the MVP, having a yeah. match with everybody, you know, Yoshihatsu, I mean, Yoshihashi, um, Taichi, um, Okada, you know, all the guys he faced, like, you would think that they would have a prime spot for him on this card, but I get what, you know, they had to share the card with Ring of Honor guys, and so there's only so much space that they could have booked on this, on this show. Ishii's the Cesaro of New Japan. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> you know, I'm curious, though. They uh, have this Bully Ray open challenge situation, and I would hate to see it be Juice challenging Bully Ray with the U.S. title on the line, but maybe? maybe. I don't know. That's a possibility. But like, yeah. Yeah, let's break this card down, talk about each of the matches, and uh, give our predictions. So the card's going to open up um, with the 30 
um, entrant honor rumble match, which is going to be on the pre-show. And as of right now, the um, confirmed um, competitors in this match, we have Jushin Thunder Liger, Kenny King, PJ Black, uh, Bear City Bruiser, Brian Malonis, and Cheeseburger are the um, confirmed uh, participants. Yeah, I believe Rocky Romero alluded that he would also be in it. He mentioned something on commentary about him being maybe there might be an honorable rumble about him. (laughs) So put in that context, maybe he might be there. I certainly hope he is. I would love to see Rocky Romero in that too. Yeah, actually he might be uh, Chico El Luchador maybe. Yay, that would be great. Um, but yeah, they also, they've been teasing that there'll be more surprises. Um, there was an announcement that a former world champion that defended a world title in MSG would be, um, in this honor rumble as well. So I'm kind of curious to see who that's going to end up being. Wow. Yeah. It's John Jones. (laughs) 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 But, um, yeah, I mean, look at that list of names, PJ Black, Brian Malonis. I mean, this is a who's who of the top tier talent that exists out there in Ring of Honor. I mean, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so is there anybody you'd like to see win this uh, Honor Rumble, Amy? Oh, so what are the stakes? Like if somebody wins the Rumble, what does that mean for them? Um, so what I've been hearing on Ring of Honor TV, the winner of the Honor Rumbles is going to get a future Ring of Honor world title shot. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, it should definitely be Chico El Luchador. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm serious, but I guess for the sake of a backup plan, um, you know, I would really like to see Cheeseburger get it (laughs) because it would be so ridiculous and so silly. And every time he, every time I see him, he's such an underdog that I just think it would be great for him to just, you know, get a shot at it with some crazy work of magic but i mean seriously it would be chico if he's in it that'd be fun you know there there is a story with cheeseburger and um battle royals you know he has always been in the the new japan rumble when it used to happen before wrestle kingdom and every year he'd be so close to winning it so there was no rumble um this year for wrestle kingdom so maybe this is a chance for cheeseburger to finally get that rumble win i hope so man you go cheeseburger Yeah, I'm just, I'm online on Wikipedia. I'm looking through the list of, you know, talent that they have in Ring of Honor. I mean, there's quite a few names of guys that, um, you know, are not booked for the show that you got to imagine, you know, your Shane Taylors, uh, your Silas Youngs, your Rhett Tituses. These types of guys are not, you know, booked anywhere. And how many spots is it? 30 spots? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few guys too, like Yano. I know Yano's going to be in town, different people like that. So, I don't, even though there might be some surprises, I don't think there's a lot of leeway for them to have a ton of guys, you know, kind of show up and surprise that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you guys, do you guys have any ideas of any surprises you'd like to see that, you know, aren't, you know, who who do you think is realistic given WrestleMania weekend? Um, So I don't know if this is really a surprise, but I would love to see uh, Satoshi Kojima be one of the entrants in there and get a little run. Of course. <laughs> I love Kojima. That I would just really love to see Colt Cabana and Yano. 
I don't think they have a match on the card. So I assume that they would probably both be in the honor rumble. So I would just really hope for some fun interactions with them because their matches during the new Japan cup were so good. And even though that doesn't necessarily technically count as a surprise, that's really the thing that I'm going to be most looking forward to seeing during that rumble is Colt Cabana and Toriano. There are some people, I don't know how realistic this is, but there's quite a few names of individuals who have affiliations and histories with New Japan that are not signed that will be there that weekend. Uh, Shinjiri Otani, um, Great Muda is going to be in town, Masato Tanaka, uh, Onida. Uh, Those are some names that could hypothetically pop up as just surprise entrants, you know? Yeah, that'd be super cool. Yeah, that would be really fun, and a lot of people would love that. But for me, I think that my pick is the obvious pick, and I think it would be the best outcome would be to just go with Liger. Um, You you know, he's retiring. Um, Give him a big win in the garden to start things off, maybe set him up for a Ring of Honor title shot. I think of all the guys in New Japan, you know, he's somebody that they can draw what i mean he's a proven draw anywhere he goes so giving him one last ring of honor title shot down the road um i think that's something that they could you know do big business with you know by their standards and um you know i would pop super hard if liger got the win yeah that would be awesome you know liger is definitely somebody that whoever the champion is can beat as a you know a defense but it'll still be a great match and yeah like you mentioned be a a good draw Oh, absolutely. And we saw that with the uh, junior title match with Ishimori. I'm, I've, I obviously know of Liger, but I don't know, I'm not as familiar with his long history of wrestling. So I would have to go back and watch a lot of his far older matches. But one of the things that really impressed me was how great he is in the ring, how technical, Ugh. how athletic. He's really awesome. So I think that this would not only be a great nod of respect and honor for Jushin Thunder Liger, but also a setup for a really great match and a great blending of two companies that work so well together. Yeah, definitely. At some point, we're going to do a retro review show. It's in the works, and the idea will be to review uh, older matches from given years. So, like, You'll be on that show, Amy, and I'll make you watch one of his best matches ever, <laughs> and uh, we'll get some perspective on that down the road. Oh, that would be great. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> but, Jeremy, who, uh, who do you see winning this, or who would you like to see? Um, I think I'm also going to go Liger. I think that's the best way to kick the show off. Yes. Um, it's Unity. A, yeah, it's a credible challenger for whoever the champion might be, whether it's Lethal, Taven, or Skrull, and it's somebody that you can get a great match of, um, somebody you don't have to worry about, you know, putting over to get the championship. So I think that would make the most sense here. You know how you book it? You have Cheeseburger go to the finals, just like he has for the past few Rambos in uh, New Japan. And then it comes down to him and Liger. And, oh, and we man. have a Shote battle. Yes, because Liger has uh, been uh, training Cheeseburger, and that's his mentor. And Liger taught Cheeseburger the Shote palm strike. This is what we need in our lives. <laughs> but um, Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Anytime Liger goes to Ring of Honor, he always teams with Cheeseburger. Yeah, they're boys. Oh, that makes me so happy. That is amazing. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Before we move on, my last thought on this. You know, I think in the beginning when they announced this rumble, a lot of people kind of scoffed at it or held their noses up to it just because they're like, oh, you know, it's kind of a cheap way to get a lot of guys on. But if you really put it in perspective, we're getting an A-plus card plus – the equivalent of a Royal Rumble 
like that's so strong. That's so freaking strong. And like, who doesn't love a good rumble? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I'm really looking forward to this to just kick things off. Like very excited. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Plus, I mean, this is Madison Square Garden. This is a huge show with a lot of legacy and some legitimate groundbreaking history here. So to have a rumble with a lot of people on it, to me, I don't think cheapens it at all. I think if anything, it elevates and gives all of these people an opportunity to stand on that stage, wrestle in front of that many adoring fans, and really create something special to kick off the show. Man, we need Amy on every week. Yeah, that was yeah. I could have said that better. <laughs> All right, so um, let's move on to the first official match on the main card, and it's a title versus title match: the Never Openweight Champion Will Ospreay against the Ring of Honor TV Champion Jeff Cobb. Wow. <laughs> this is Naito and Ibushi all over again in the first round of the New Japan Cup. How do you choose this, right? Like, so we had Will Ospreay, who is really creating this epic story of being a giant killing beast slayer. He gave a Stormbreaker to Jeff freaking caught. That is amazing. I'm still freaked out over that. He has really been climbing the ranks and really having this fluidity with the never open weight belt and elevating it. So, of course, I want him to win this match. At the same time, Jeff Cobb is an incredibly talented, athletic, skilled wrestler. And it's really hard when I look at their history where Will Ospreay won their last encounter. I really feel like this encounter has to be Jeff Cobb winning as much as I do not want to root against Ospreay. And if that ends up being the case, which that's my prediction, it's going to be Jeff Cobb. I really hope that that sets up a rivalry and a feud where they end up going at it and taking that forward, both on ROH and in New Japan, to set up a long-running feud for that. Yeah, a long-running Osprey and Cobb feud would be amazing. Um, I'm going with Will Osprey winning this match um, just because, so at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of um, names that were mentioned that we're going to be working in Ring of Honor more this year. And some of those names were like Juice Robinson and David Finley and some of the lower like Ring of Honor, uh, New Japan guys were going to be starting to work more for Ring of Honor. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. was another name. And we've seen all those guys work in Ring of Honor. And Will Ospreay was another name that was mentioned that was supposed to be working more yeah. in Ring of Honor this year. And he hasn't yet. So I think this is the way of getting Will Ospreay some Ring of Honor dates by getting him the Ring of Honor TV championship. Yeah. I hope you're right. That would be awesome. Let me start off by saying this is insane that they're kicking off the show again. Like this is the second time this year that Will Ospreay has been slotted in an opening spot on the card for the first singles match. And um, I'm sure this won't fail to disappoint. Uh, you know, a lot of people keep talking about that this has the potential to be like the match of the weekend or the, you know, the, the match of the show to kind of steal the show. And that's absolutely true. Um, I think Jeff Cobb, does so much better when he has guys that can um, be thrown around and, you know, kind of play to his Hoss strengths. And, you know, we talked about athleticism. I mean, you can't get much better between these two types of athletes. You know what I mean? So I expect this to be like 15 minutes of insanity, no matter who wins. Um, I was going to make a joke about this going to like a double DQ <laughs> oh, man. or like a double count out, you know, 1980s style. But, um, it's hard for me because initially I, I, I want to pick against um, Will Ospreay 
But at the same time, like I did that in January and he proved me wrong. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, uh, I really shouldn't pick against him because he's proven me wrong already once this year and I don't want to look stupid again. <laughs> but ultimately, I, I think that um, this is my prediction. I think Will Ospreay is going to be in the best of the Super Juniors this year. I think that's the reason that they haven't given him the full heavyweight designation yet. I think he'll do one last best of the Super Juniors. And then provided his body holds up, I think he's going going to graduate out of that tournament into the heavyweight division fully. So I think it would be a good idea at this point to get the never title off of him and kind of create uh, the ability for Jeff Cobb to come to Japan. And, you know, you know, we, we know what the never division is. It's the Haas division. It's the strong style division. So I think he would fit into that spot. They could go either way here. Honestly, like everything you've said, Jeremy's totally valid. I'm 50, 50. This is really a pick a match. But um, I'm going to go with Jeff Cobb on this just because I feel like it would make more sense to get the belt off of Osprey and uh, kind of free him up to do some other things before he, you know, goes into the G1 later this year. Mm. So you think he's going into the G1 this year then too? Absolutely. I think oh, me too, 100%. I, yeah. think he's, I think he's pulling double duty. I think he's doing mm-hmm. Super Juniors and G1 this year. Yeah. Has anyone else ever done that in, um, the, in a single year, have gone through the Super Juniors – as well as the G1? Uh, Fergal Devitt, better known as Finn Balor. Oh. Really? History. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is some good company. I've, yeah. I've got to imagine. I don't know this for sure. I could look it up real quick, but I'm pretty sure Liger did that in 94, 95 as well. Mm. When he went on, or maybe 96, when he went on his heavyweight you know, bid that you know, pretty much failed and sucked. <laughs> but I think he did that too. <laughs> That, that is going to be awesome. What, regardless of the outcome of this match, I think we're all going to be winners here because this is going to be an incredible match. And I hope that if Osprey does drop the title to Jeff Cobb, that that does end up setting up for a really storied future for him. And I hope that if he ends up taking both titles, how incredible would that be for him to have not only the Never Belt, but also the ROH TV champion belt? Either outcome is amazing for him. The, the other thing to consider is that you got to imagine – if um, Will Ospreay gets the TV title, I would assume, this is just my guesstimation, that he would probably turn around and drop it pretty quickly. But if Jeff Cobb wins, then he can actually, I would imagine he'd have a better shot of having a lengthy reign in, in New Japan with the Never Belt. Where, you know, and he could probably drop the TV title to someone, you know, that's deserving of it in Ring of Honor. Yeah. So that's kind of why I feel like it makes sense. But, um, you know, with Jeff Cobb, man, we've um, there have been time like every time he shows up to these big Ring of Honor shows, you know, he really shows up. The Hangman Page match, the Shane oh, match, like yes. he's delivering right now. Yeah, dude, he's been on fire this year, and all stuff that he's been doing in PWG and other indies. I mean, this has been an incredible year so far for Cobb and for Osprey too. All the stuff that he's been doing um, with the heavyweights that he's been pinning and beating in New Japan, so. This is going to be an epic, epic match between these this guys. This is a ballsy booking decision. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to kick off the show. So uh, after that match, we have a Ring of Honor match with Roosh against Dalton Castle. Mm. Are you familiar with Roosh and Dalton Castle at all, Amy? I am familiar with Dalton Castle enough to have hated him profusely and then <laughs> <laughs> finally have become okay with him. Um, I could not... And him for the longest time and then i found out that tanahashi was one of his young boys apparently yes. yeah. yeah 
So he like stood on him to get into the ring while Tanahashi is fanning him with peacock feathers. Oh my God. Oh, my, I was so offended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that said, I finally have gotten used to Dalton Castle. And, but I want Roosh to take this because I think I'm... I am not as familiar with Roosh. I know that there is a really interesting backstory involving him and Dragon Lee and Naito and Hiromu. So I think it would be really great to get to know him. And I think it would be really great if they are bringing him into the ROH situation as they are right now, but they keep him around for a while. And I think that the way you keep him around for a while is to build this kind of rivalry. So I would love to see him win and I can't wait to see this match. It's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, so Roosh is under a uh, Ring of Honor contract uh, full-time, so he's been on all their big shows, and right now he's undefeated in Ring of Honor, so they've definitely been getting behind him and pushing him. You know, he's the, leader, oh. uh, the original Los Ingobernables in uh, Mexico and CMLL, so obviously he's partners with uh, Naito and um, LIJ. There's a connection there. And so um, with that, you know, I feel like they're going to keep pushing Roosh, and I think he's, he's going to beat Dalton Castle here, and I think – Sooner or later, Roosh is going to be getting a Ring of Honor World Title shot later this year. You know, Naito was in CMLL this past Friday. Yeah, I actually watched that match. Was, uh, how was it? It was it was all right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just it was like it's so different. Like seeing Naito go like I mean, full out heel. Like in New Japan, he does do some heelish stuff, but like in Mexico, like he was like full out heel. So before I give my thoughts on this, two quick stories. So, um, Amy, we were talking about Tanahashi before the show started. I wanted to tell you this story. Um, cause you were, you were, you were sharing us with us a story about Tanahashi and getting to see him and, and stuff like that. So last year we were at the WrestleCon super show WrestleMania weekend and he came out and you know, the hand gesture that he does. Yes. So as soon as he came out, he stood on, on the, uh, turnbuckle that was in the direction of us. And I promise you, no one else believes <laughs> me, but I promise you, he was looking in our direction and I did the ACE hand signal. And he looked at me and he pointed right at me and my fanboy heart, I freaking freaked out. So like me and Tanahashi have a special connection for life. I, I, <laughs> I promise you, like we are connected. We are one. Um, but that no. is amazing. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. My arms just went <laughs> up and I've got a grin plastered all over my face, man. That's great. <laughs> Every time I think about Tanahashi, I'm like, he pointed at me. <laughs> <laughs> But um, last year when we we went to the um, Supercard of Honor show and, um, you know, they did Kenny and Cody as the semi-main event, we were just blown away. We we're like, they're doing this now? We're like, oh, my God, they're closing with uh, Marty and, and uh, Dalton, Castle. Dalton Castle. So then they, they proceed to have their match and, like, we're – it's late. We've all been drinking. Like, it's – like, we're pretty rowdy. The crowd's booing. We're not into it. We're just talking crap. And we're mostly just talking crap about Dalton Castle. <laughs> and then, like, this couple next to us, they got mad at us. And they were like, you guys might not like them, but we came all the way from, like, Idaho. So you guys need to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a funny moment. But um, Oh, dear. You better watch well, out for those people from Idaho at MSG. Yeah. <laughs> but So we, we, we're not really on the Dalton Castle hype train. Um, it it kind of stinks because this guy had so much fanfare and so much like hype for a long time. And then, you know, his body's just been like racked with injuries and he's, you know, it's just been an ongoing thing. Um, 
luckily he's been able to kind of work around some of those injuries and have matches, but you can tell the guy's still in pain. And I mean, yeah, he's hurting. We're not talking about like Tanahashi pain. We're talking about like beyond that, like Kurt Angle pain. Like, yeah, <laughs> this guy's, this guy's not doing well. Um, well it does. Sadly, kind of feel, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, sadly, that that's one of the things that I think made me come around was once I realized that he is in so much pain and is working around it and still trying to put on these great matches, that suddenly it was like, oh, it's not just Ego and Peacocks. There's something there to root for. Yeah, no, he's a very talented wrestler. And I mean, I've always appreciated his like amateur style and the suplexes he does. And he's got a great gimmick, but um, they are feeding him to Roosh. I mean, there's, (laughs) (laughs) there's, there's no doubt about what is happening here. I think it's a strange matchup. Like, there, there's not a lot of backstory. Yeah, and their styles are kind of... Yeah, I, I don't know what to expect here from these two guys. Um, but hopefully, you know, I, th- I really think it's going to be a showcase for Rouge ultimately. Um, you know, but I hope that maybe, like, Dalton has his moment and then kind of takes a break and, and is able to heal up his body a little bit more because it seems like he still needs it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I hope it, I hope that it's a good match. I hope that they have a lot of fun. I hope Dalton Castle eats beforehand because <laughs> the last time I saw them when they were cutting the promos for this match, he kept talking about how Roosh looked like a piece of meat, how he looked like beef, and he was so meaty. And I was like, man, have you eaten anything? Should we get you like a burger or something? <laughs> so I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see the athleticism of Roosh because I don't follow ROH as much as I do New Japan. I don't watch it regularly, Um, so I catch it once in a while, and just that small amount that I saw from him was really, really eye-catching, so I can't wait to watch more. Roosh is all about charisma. To be honest with you, I wouldn't say he's one of the top talents in the world when it comes to in-ring, but he's so compelling, you know? There's something about him that just is eye-catching, and like he's just a charismatic guy. Um, he really does get by on his charisma and he's really known for his bloody brawls and his like plunder matches in uh, CMLL. I hope that he does really show up here though, because I think everyone kind of understands the magnitude of this platform. But um, yeah, I think that's what this is for. It's a showcase for Roosh ultimately. Yeah. And I, I think he'll come through and, you know, he has that, that tranquilo attitude, just like Naito. But I think, you know, being in Madison Square Garden is going to be a big deal. And I think we'll see the best of Roosh here. And then the, uh, the match after that, we have a Women of Honor World Champion match with the champion Mayu Iwatani defending against Kelly Klein. Amy, are you familiar with either of these two ladies? So I'm vaguely familiar with Kelly Klein. I've seen her in a few of um, the ROH matchups. I believe Final Battle may have been the last time that I really saw her. There was a match after that I think I watched. Um, I'm not familiar with Mayu. However, I have heard so much about her everyone who talks about her all across the board talks about how great she is so yes. i'm really really excited to watch this and i would have th- i have already thought that she would have won this match i didn't know she was a champion defending the title so i don't know if that skews it at all but i'm still going to go for her just because i can't wait to see her i've heard nothing but great things about her and i'm really curious to see what she's like yeah, I mean, yeah, she's an incredible seller. She's a great wrestler. Um, so this is actually a rematch. So these two ladies wrestled at the Ring of Honor 17th anniversary pay-per-view. Um, it's actually, bad. Yeah, it wasn't great. There seemed to be like a lot of miscommunication between both of them. Um, and I guess I, and I'm not sure how good Mayu's English is, so I don't know if that was the, the issue there. But 
it was kind of, definitely kind of clunky. So hopefully they've kind of worked the kinks out and have some better communication in this match. Yeah, I think my take on the match at the time was that Mayu looked so good with her selling and the offense from Kelly was so bad that it like literally like broke the suspense of disbelief that or you know broke your suspension of, of disbelief because it was it was rough i mean and i i hate to say that but it actually was a really rough match um i will say this though i think they're going for, for better or for worse kelly klein's you know a long time uh veteran um you know and she's one of the original women of honor in ring of honor they had the opportunity to put her over it in uh a super card last year and they didn't go with her. And I think this year that's what they're going to do. They are going to put her over for better or for worse. They're going to, you know, stick with their girl, but um, I'm not expecting much from this match. If it's even slightly better than uh, what they did at uh, the 17th anniversary, that would be a win because that match was like literally bad. Yeah. So this is, this is their third matchup here. And so um, Mayu has won the first two matches so I'm thinking this is going to be the one that Kelly Klein um, wins here and gets her title back. Okay, that's fair. And, you know, honestly, from what I've seen of ROH's women's division, I I don't generally talk about it very often because I'm very much of the mindset of if you can't say something nice, then don't say anything at all. And unfortunately, I find their, their women's division to be very lacking, not – you're right. because of the wrestlers themselves but often because of the booking or the match style it just it doesn't feel like they are existing in the same training space as the rest of their roster and i'm not sure what that disconnect is so i really hope that with this being madison square garden that they put on a really great match and that whatever champion they do end up going with that they just put some backing and some support behind that person to let them start carrying a decent division because if you look at something like impact they are built around their women's division they are incredible stardom obviously and Shimmer, um, you know, AEW hasn't even had their show yet, and they're already putting some force behind their women's division. So it would be really great to see some um, serious effort and care and respect given to the women within ROH from ROH going forward. Yeah, and uh, Amy, I think you hit the nail on the head talking about the Ring of Honor women division. Um, I've been following Ring of Honor on and off for a while now. And, you know, for a long time, the Women of Honor division was only featured on their YouTube channel. Yep. And then finally, within like the last year and a half or so, they started putting them on TV and putting them on pay-per-views. Um, so I feel like they're, they're trying to, you know, be progressive with the other companies and try to catch up and, you know, feature the women more. But I don't think they have a solid game plan. They're doing it just because they need to, they feel like they have to. And so I definitely think, yeah, you know, they need to kind of get a game plan, much like an impact and, you know, really come up with compelling characters and storylines for these women. And hopefully, you know, after this match, that could be a direction they go in. Yeah, my last thoughts on it, a couple things. Um, I will say this. This is the one thing I love about the Women of Honor division. Their belt is, like, one of the most gorgeous, like, pro wrestling belts in all of wrestling. And, you know, I don't, I'm not a belt geek, like, carrying belts to shows or anything, but I appreciate the wrestling belt that they have. I mean, it looks way better than the other Ring of Honor titles. Um, but my only piece of advice, if anybody from Ring of Honor is listening, I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> You know, we've seen what has happened in NXT with their women's division. Those women don't go out there and they're not like necessarily calling their matches in the ring. You know, they are choreographing it and really working it out. We've seen how epic those displays have been, you know, talking about like Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, Asuka. 
if I was them, I would put in some real serious thought and have, have the agents sit down with them and really develop something, however much time they're going to have. I don't even know. It's a long show, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, but they need to put something together that is not what they did last time because they, they're going to have more eyes, more audience on them, and they can dispel everything bad that happened at the 17th anniversary by just having a competent showing here. And it's been a year since they, you know, uh, debuted this title. And I mean, it's been an afterthought, you know, and with women wrestling, you know, that women are going to main event WrestleMania this year. You know, we've seen many of the points that Amy brought up, how women's wrestling has really progressed and moved to the forefront. And it does seem like ring of honor is being left behind. So this is their chance to really showcase what they can do. So I would say have an agent sit down with them, work this thing out. If you've got to like put in the, the hours, do it because this is your shot. Absolutely. Well said that I completely agree. They really, really should do that. And, you know, I, I think the women want it. They clearly want to be there. They clearly want to wrestle. They want to be respected and athletic and go out there and kick ass. I mean, that's, that's what they're training for. So I really hope that given the stage, given the setting, given the environment of legacy and history making. And I know that those are kind of cliche things that get touted around a lot, but in this case, it's true. You brought up women are main eventing WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania weekend. Women are taking center stage in a lot of different areas right now. And I think that they should absolutely give that push respect and credence to their women too, for sure. Definitely. Um, so next on the card, we have the Bully Ray New York City Street Fight Open Challenge. And we have a question from Reddit user uh, Rambones underscore Slam Pig. He wants to know, <laughs> he wants to know uh, who we think is going to answer Bully Ray's Open Challenge. His preferences are Suzuki or Ishii or both. He says if it is Coca Banner or some other RH guy, he's going to be pissed. <laughs> uh, so, Amy, who do you want to see enter this open uh, challenge? Uh, I think Suzuki in a street fight with Bully Ray sounds pretty badass. So, I mean, I'm going to go with that. Initially, I thought maybe Flip might, but I guess he's injured. And, um, I, and I only based that off of their final battle situation where they had this kind of rivalry thing happening. Um, but, I, you know, if you're going to have a street fight with Bully Ray, you want it to be a street fight. So, Suzuki coming out there. Ishii would also be awesome, but I think Suzuki would I, be more fun to interplay off of Bully Ray's character. I think there would be more fun character interactions between the two, so that would be awesome. I hope it's Suzuki. I want Josh Barnett. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> no, I want, uh, I want Onita. I want Onita to come down smoking a cigarette <laughs> and just like do his entire entrance, come out, cane the man, hit him with the chair, put him away, one, two, three. That's what I want. <laughs> but, but no, you know, I don't know. A, a lot of people were saying it was going to be Flip. I felt like the whole Flip storyline was wrapped up nice and neat. And that would seem like, why are we going back to this? Like we've progressed past it. Unfortunately, you know, we, we got the news last week that Flip's not going to be on the show. His knee locked up and uh, they pretty much said he's out again, right? Yeah. So he's getting MRIs. They're going to see what the exact injury is. But he was on a flight back from OTT when his knee locked up. So... Unfortunately, he's probably going to miss Madison Square Garden. He was supposed to actually return to Ring of Honor tonight. There's a, there's a house show that's airing on Honor Club tonight in Baltimore that he was supposed to be returning to. Yeah, Aww. so, I mean, I, I really don't know. It does seem like uh, Suzuki, I think, is the most obvious. And I think if 
you know, they're listening to the fans online. It seems to be that that is the uh, prevailing wish of people. Everybody wants to do the Kaze Ninare in um, Madison Square Garden. And I mean, you can just kind of see how it would play out. The fear on Bully Ray's face as, you know, murder grandpa comes down the aisle, um, <laughs> you know, and then they can brawl in the crowd. And it, hopefully this last year, that whole segment with Bully Ray was way too long. It killed the show. They didn't need to do it. And it's been a year since his heel turn. So it's like, it's time for somebody to get some come up. And so it might as well be Suzuki. They can go seven minutes, eight minutes, and then he just gets gotch pile driver and that's it. So that's what I would like to see happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm with both of you guys. I also want to be Minoru Suzuki. You know, I want to be able to sing Kazane Nere one more time and sing it in Madison Square Garden. And it would bring me great pleasure to watch Suzuki slap uh, Bully Ray all up and down that ring and oh my gosh. drop him on his head of a gotch pile driver. Um, so, yeah, I'm also, you know, hoping that we see, you know, the head honcho Suzuki Goon um, taking out Bully Ray. Oh, yeah. Well, and how great would it be for his personal storyline of absolute vengeance right now, too? I mean, we have Suzuki, who was put on the pre-show at Wrestle Kingdom and was justifiably furious about this and has yes. since taken Suzuki Goon on a veritable rampage across all factions, specifically LIJ, but really everyone in New Japan, how great and fitting would it be to have Suzuki come out? We all sing Kaze Ninare. He comes out against ROH's biggest, meanest bully and bitch slaps him to oblivion. And then he's done. Yes. <laughs> he comes back to New Japan and that dude's scary. So yeah, I hope that, I really hope it's him. That would be fun. I, I literally couldn't even think of anybody on the Ring of Honor roster right now that's not booked. That would be a fitting or appropriate guy to even do this with. So unless it's like someone who's not booked from New Japan or some sort of crazy surprise, obviously he tried to like do the whole like, I'll see you in New York, punk. Yeah, trying to make it sound like it was going to be CM Punk. Which that's so stupid. Like <laughs> obviously no one's believing that. But unless it's something crazy like that, like if, if it does end up being anybody from ROH, I too will be, I mean, I'm going to be getting up, going to the bathroom and you'll see a thousand, <laughs> you'll see thousands of people literally go to the stands and walk out. So they, I hope they don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, because that would be your intermission, everybody. If you would like to go to the restroom, grab a beer, get some merch, now is your time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and so now we're getting to the part of the car where business is picking up. And we have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. We have the champion, the bone soldier, Taiji Ishimori, defending his title against Dragon Lee and Bandito in a triple threat match. And this match is going to be bonkers off the wall, all the flips, all the high flying, all the diving. It's going to be great. Uh, who you got on this one, Amy? Oh my goodness. Okay. So first of all, this match is going to be amazing. Everybody is going to be flying around the ring. I hope it's bolted to the ground because otherwise <laughs> I do. However, as for who is winning, this is going to be amazing. And I hope it happens because if it does, I will shriek and cry and everything will be amazing. Dragon Lee wins. Light goes down. Suddenly <laughs> we hear ticking. We see Daryl. We see Hiromu. Hiromu out to challenge Dragon Lee. Hiromu comes back to the United States where last year we saw him get injured in his match with Dragon Lee. So to have Dragon Lee take this title and then have Hiromu be his challenger would be absolutely poetic. And what better stage to have Hiromu come back out 
then Madison Square Garden, everyone would erupt and you could hear the chants all around the world for him. It would be amazing. I hope that happens. And if not, Bandito wins, it's still going to be a good match. But if Dragon Lee wins, it's got to be Hiromu. <laughs> I think you're, you're counting out the Bone Soldier. You don't, th- you don't think the champ has a chance of retaining? No, no. <laughs> I love the Bone Soldier. I love Ishimori. And if anything, this year has actually really made me respect him a lot more. Um, he's really great to watch. He's really athletic. He's really fast. He's unpredictable. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's got to be Dragon Lee on this one. Well, I'm right there with you. I think um, Dragon Lee is going to win this. You know, Dragon Lee's been a guy that's been coming over to New Japan for a few years now. He's always chased the junior title, but it's never been successful in getting it. So I think this is a great stage to um, put the title on Dragon Lee finally. And then, just like you said, Amy, you have Hiromu come back and you set up that rivalry. And then, you know, opening night of the best of the Super Juniors, you run Hiromu versus Dragon Lee. And then eventually you get a title match maybe at Dominion with Dragon Lee and Hiromu. Oh, that would be amazing. I, um, yeah, <laughs> I hadn't really considered the whole thing with Hiromu coming back. Um, I think that that would be an incredible booking decision. But I kind of have put Hiromu's return in the back of my mind because we were talking about it for so long here on the podcast, speculating it was going to be at the anniversary show. And then it never panned out. And so I was just like, man, like I was disappointed. So I'm not even going to hope for it. I do know Madison Square Garden is a is an arena and this is a historic show where you would want to create a moment like that. So if they decide to do that, you know, by all means, I'm, I'm with it. I'm completely there for it. But I will say this. Um, I don't know how much it benefit without that booking decision being in play. If Hiromu wasn't going to be there and he doesn't make his return, I don't know how beneficial it is from a storyline perspective. It would be to put the title on Bandito or it would be to put it on Dragon Lee. Um, so my official prediction is to go with uh, Ishimori. Barring you know, the return of um, Hiromu, that's what I think makes the most sense. I really don't. The title is important here, but it's kind of secondary in the fact that this is a dream match between you know, all these uh, international superstars just sharing the stage together. And I think the real prize is them getting to showcase their talent and abilities on this show. And so win, lose, or draw, these guys don't have to win the title. It's really about the display of athleticism that they're going to have. So that's kind of why I'm going with Ishimori to kind of, you know, take the title into the best of the Super Juniors this year. Um, But if Dragon Lee does win, then you got to imagine Hiromu's going to be there. Absolutely. And I I absolutely understand where you're coming from. And even if Dragon Lee were to win, I almost hate to anticipate that so much because then I would be disappointed even if they were going to set up a future rivalry at the debut of the Best of the Super Juniors instead of at Madison Square Gardens. You wouldn't want to be disappointed. So I think that's a very fair point. But I also think it's a very fair point that really this is an exhibition of some of the brightest talents around the world. And how incredible is this match going to see or be to see, to be able to experience that, especially live in the arena. It's going to be amazing. So yeah, I absolutely agree. That's beautifully stated. This is just going to be an incredible match regardless. Yeah, and I think it's so great to see a guy like Bandito in this spot. Um, Last year, WrestleMania weekend um, was kind of like the breakout moment for Bandito and what got him booked so many places. He had an incredible match at the WrestleCon Super Show that kind of blew everybody's mind. Who was that? Um, It was him and Flamita. It was him and Flamita against uh, Ray Horace and Phoenix? 
Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, so yeah, Bandito has been on a tear ever since that, and he's been in PWG, and he's been booked on indies all over, um, and AAW in Chicago. So it's so great seeing you know somebody who was pretty much unknown last year. Um, he's a full-out star now, and he's getting a big spot here at Madison Square Garden. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that was that was a really really special moment. Um, you know, I wasn't as familiar with Mexican culture and lucha libre culture, and so. You know, in Tijuana and different cities, when guys have incredible matches, they'll throw money into the ring. And I wasn't familiar with that. So I didn't know that that happens pretty regularly. So when we watched that match, and I'd never seen these guys before, and it just literally was the the greatest display of Lucha Libre I've ever seen in my life. And then people were just throwing money in the ring. I was like, what is happening right now? And then, like, there was a group of guys that were sitting next to us at the show, four different guys. None of them knew each other. They were all, like, separate. And when the match was over, people were high-fiving, and they were hugging each other because of, like, being at the show, being able to see this thing that, like – and, you know, it's WrestleCon Super Show. So, I mean, people hear about it, but it's not like a lot of people are online watching it. So, it's, like, this special moment that, like, hardly anybody has seen. But it was one of the greatest live matches I've ever seen. And Bandito was the shining star. And – to kind of see the trajectory of his career and the idea that he's going to share a, a ring with uh dragon Lee, you know, triple a guys and CMLL guys like that's so crazy to me. Yeah, it is crazy. And you know, this is definitely, I think going to be the start of bandito being in the junior division of new Japan. And I definitely think we'll be seeing bandito in the best of the super juniors this year. Oh, that would be amazing. They really do um, need to, I think, build up that division. And I, they've got a great cast of people already in that. But if we've got Hiromu out right now, we've got Kushida who left, we have Osprey who's probably going to end up in the G1 this year. Having someone like Bandito in there would be incredible. Just imagine Bandito against, uh, what's his, oh man, what's wrong with me? Um, from LIJ, the new LIJ member. Oh, Shingo. Yeah, Shingo and Bandito. How oh would that be? Oh my gosh, dude, that would be, be incredible. Awesome. And and before we move on, one last thing: just re- imagine people were complaining that we were getting a triple threat here when this was first announced. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. Wait, what? I saw this match announced, and I was marking out. I was flipping out, like this is going to be amazing. And then you have yeah, those snobs on the internet, like, oh, a triple threat? It should be a one-on-one match. <laughs> we can't enjoy things, right? <laughs> This is going to be an awesome match. And I can understand, you know, maybe a a bit of deflation if you're really excited about a singles match, but having something like this that can really be a legendary match that shines across so many different promotions, I think this is going to be something everyone is going to look back on in the future and just be like, wow, this was incredible. This is going to be a match that we recommend people to see if they want to get a taste of New Japan, of CMLL, of these kinds of athletic experiences that sort of influence so many different styles. Yeah, definitely. So up next, we have the another title versus title match uh, with both belts on the line, the IWGP Tag Titles and the Ring of Honor World Tag Titles on the line. We have the IWGP Tag Team Champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangaloa, the ROH Tag Champions, Villain Enterprises of PCO and Brody King. We have Mark and Jay, the Briscoe Brothers, and then we have Evil and Sonata from LIJ. So originally, you know, we had um, Tamatonga and Tangaloa kind of beefing with the Briscoes on the Honor Rising Tour, and we set up this big champion versus champion match. And then we had P- 
PCO and Brody King beat the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor World titles at the anniversary show. And then Evil and Sonata just came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that initially I had the Briscoes pulling on this because with their Honor Rising interactions that they had with the Girls of Destiny, they set up a really great and fun and interesting rivalry. But, you know, Evil and Sonata... LIJ is really having a strong year in New Japan, and especially watching Sonata through the New Japan Cup. I mean, I, I feel that both Evil and Sonata individually are very strong right now, and I feel like they should get this win. Um, so I think I'm actually going to change my initial booking to Evil and Sonata on this. When we were running through this on the Dragon's Den Wrestling Podcast, I had chosen the Briscoes. I think I'm going to change this over to Evil and Sonata, though. I think that they definitely should have a shot at this, and I think it would build up some interesting rivalries going forward on both shows. Mm. Yeah, uh, right now I'm kind of stuck in between two teams. So I'm stuck in between Gorillas of Destiny and Evil and Sonata. I'm um, just kind of thinking, you know, what would be kind of beneficial to both organizations. And I think, you know, Ring of Honor could always, you know, use Japanese talents on their cards to pop attendance. So having Evil and Sonata or G.O.D. on as their champions would be great for their business. And when you look at Evil and Sonata, L.I.J. is super popular in the States, and they are really popular with the Ring of Honor crowd. Um, so I could see, you know, Evil and Sonata getting back the tag, getting the Ring of Honor tag titles and then also getting the IWGP titles and you kind of put them back in the tag division until it's G1 time um, but I'm not sure if they want to put the belts on them going into G1 so that, that makes me lean more towards Tamatonga and Tangaloa and you kind of have this bullet club history in Ring of Honor um, so that would kind of make sense to kind of reintroduce bullet club into Ring of Honor with the girls of destiny. So I, I think I'm going to go with Tamatonga and Tangaloa walking out with both belts. Yeah. So from my perspective, um, you know, it kind of does, you know, even though they've just recently introduced Brody King and PCO to their tag division in Ring of Honor, the Ring of Honor division tag division is kind of lost right now. It sort of feels like the Briscoes are, you know, alone. You know, they, they lost War Machine the last couple of years. They lost Best young, Friends, young, the bucks. young Bucks. So, you know, there, there's a, a lack of competition over there. And then, you know, we've had our criticisms of uh, New Japan's tag division for years now. So it's a very similar situation. Um, with that being said, I can't imagine any straight-up tag matches that would have been appealing to me here. You know what I mean? Like, because of the way that these divisions have been booked, it's not like Briscoes against any of these teams is really a dream match to me. So I did see people complaining it'd be a four-way, but to me it's like, well, we got a lot of people that need to be on the on the show. They, they might as well just throw them all in there. So I'm kind of actually happy. I think it makes the match better that we're getting the four-way the way we are. And my, my imagine – what I've, what I've got to imagine is that they probably will end up going with uh, Sonata and Evil um, for the same reasons that you guys have mentioned, just that they're popular in the States. Um, they've done the Briscoes having the, uh, the IWGB titles before. I can't imagine, even though I would love to have the Briscoes in New Japan or even um, Villain Enterprises, I don't know how beneficial for business that would be because I don't know how much of a following they have with the New Japan audience. So you'd have to kind of build something up again 
Um, and I don't know if they'll even get over, you know what I mean? Right. So with that being said, Sonata and Evil already have a huge following. They're on almost every international show that they do when they bring over the, the New Japan guys. So that to me makes the most sense and it would send the fans home happy. And so the same way I picked a ring of honor to, uh, a guy to beat Will Ospreay in the beginning to get both titles, I'm going to pick a New Japan team to kind of even it out. So I'm going with Evil and Sonata here. Nice. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, I, I will say for the Gorillas of Destiny argument, um, having them pick up those titles gives a charisma element yeah. where they could come back to Ring of Honor and feud with anyone and do it really well. Whereas Evil and Sonata, even though individually they are having an incredible year and even though as a tag team they're both incredibly solid and even though they're incredibly popular, they're not necessarily charismatic. So there's not a lot of um, character interactions with other people. They've been building it up a little bit with Sonata in uh, the New Japan Cup, but I think those are more as a result of the people that he's been matched against as opposed to Sonata himself. Um, so I think that if, even though I still think Evil and Sonata are going to win, if they went with a Gorillas of Destiny victory, that would probably lend its way more to building a tag division with interest and rivalries and feuds than perhaps having Evil and Sonata with their prestige. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think another thing to think about too with Gorillas of Destiny is you can easily set up a feud with them um, and Bill and Enterprises, uh, Marty's Girls group, since, you know, that's almost like a little bullet club offshoot and Marty's kind of running his own group. And so there's still bad blood with Gorillas of Destiny and the Elite. So you could have um, Tamatanga and Tangaloa feuding against Marty, PCO, and Brody King on Ring of Honor TV and kind of do a program with that. Man, you guys almost got me flip-flopping my choice. <laughs> Starting to persuade me to think it's good. Me too. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Me too, it might be. <laughs> Speaking of uh, theme songs, like it's going to be pretty cool to hear their theme song in the, because that theme song slaps. Yeah, I love their new theme. I hope they come out with the face paint. That's what I'm hoping oh, for. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But the last couple things with this match, one thing to look out for, PCO is going to try to kill himself. Yeah. Sonata's going to try to kill himself. Um, I am wondering, because you watch Ring of Honor more than me, Jeremy, when they do tag team matches like this, do they, use, do they usually do it where it's two guys in the ring and they have to tag out amongst the four teams? Or do they usually do like uh, all four members of a tag team are out at the same time? Uh, most of the times in multi-man matches, I believe they started off with two people in the ring and they have to tag in and out. But usually halfway through, it just turns into a crazy, like, spot fest brawl. Sure. And, like, you have no idea who the legal man is. And you have people just flying in and out of the ring. So, Are you guys more of a fan of, like, the Fatal 4-Way where all four guys are in the ring or where it's, like, just two guys? I really like the Fatal 4-Way style because it feels like when you have four tag teams in a match like this that you really should have – you know, four people in there that you should have yeah. lots of, of interaction, lots of energy that this is when you, when I look at this on paper, I see a lot of people, a lot of stuff happening. And that's what I want to see in the ring. I don't want to be like waiting my turn very carefully and slowly and methodically. I want to see action. Right. And I also agree with you with the fatal four away, because I think it doesn't make a lot of sense to tag anybody else, but your own partner. Like I, if I'm PCO, like I'm not going to try and tag, Tamatonga if he's on the outside or evil if he's on the outside like it really only makes sense to tag your own partner so that's why I don't really like when they do only two people in it at one time I agree 
Um, so uh, next up, we have the RevPro British Heavyweight Champion match with the champion Zack Sabre Jr. defending against the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi. Man, this is going to be fun. I am really excited for this match. A, I love watching Zack Sabre Jr. matches. They are so much fun. He's so good. He is the best technical wrestler in the world, in my opinion. He's amazing. So it's always a real treat to get to watch him. And to be able to see it live is going to be great. At the same time, having Tanahashi come out there, yes. New Japan and RevPro have been building up this wonderful relationship where they're sort of trading people, trading belts, trading stages to have this exhibition of their belts. We had the RevPro match at Wrestle Kingdom. I think it would be really great and a great marriage of that business to have Tanahashi pick up this title. I think British fans would love to see Tanahashi come to the UK to, to defend a title there. I think it would be a great opportunity for Tanahashi to prove that he still does have that energy, that strength to go title chasing. And Zack Sabre Jr. has been an excellent champion. He and Ishii, as far as I know, have gone back and forth with um, this championship. So I think having some fresh person there to take that title and have that fresh person be the ace Tanahashi would be awesome. So I picked Tanahashi on this one. Yeah, you made some excellent points, Amy. I'm also going with Tanahashi on this one. You know, uh -oh. <laughs> you, you have the uh, the Royal Quest coming up in August. You know, what better way to help build up momentum for the Royal Quest than to have, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi walking into that show as the Rev Pro you know, British champion. Like you mentioned, Amy, you know, the fans in Rev Pro, they love New Japan and they love Tanahashi. And it would be uh, something different to kind of have Tanahashi over there and defending that title and that that kind of takes him out of like the IWGP heavyweight title picture or even IC title picture and give him something fresh and something new to do and he can have some new matches and new opponents of guys over on the Rev Pro side and then you kind of build him up for that Royal Quest when then you can have um, you know a hometown British guy get the belt back from him at Royal Quest. Yeah, for sure. So I've seen um, Zack Sabre Jr. multiple times now over WrestleMania weekends. Um, I've seen him in singles action against Pentagon. I've seen him go up against Ishii last year. Um, but this, and then we're going to see him against Shane Strickland at the WrestleCon Super Show. Yeah. And that's going to be Shane Strickland's last uh, singles match on the indies um, where he goes wherever he's going, probably WWE. Yeah. But, um, I've, I've seen Tanahashi several times, but never in a singles match. So, like, the idea to see him fight for a major title in Madison Square Garden against one of the best technical wrestlers, not just of today, but of all time, um, man, they're, they're giving us a big-time match. Like, I know a lot of people are wondering, you know, with this uh, card being sold out, what kind of quality or caliber of show we're getting. And it's like we're getting Wrestle Kingdom-level caliber matches like i'm so excited to see zach saber and uh tanahashi lock it up and i've got to go i actually think it makes sense for them to have zach retain but i think the ace of the universe is riding i i rode with him during wrestle kingdom i picked him over kenny omega and i can't pick against tanahashi for this one reason i want tanahashi and Pac. oh wow yes dude that would be incredible I want it. We got to have it. So I'm riding with Tanahashi. Go Ace. High five flow. <laughs> One, two, three. Here we go. <laughs> go Ace. 
That would be amazing. And you know, you'll be able to tell as soon as he comes out because Tanahashi has very big indicators with his hair. Um, every single time he comes out, if he's got his hair up in a ponytail, that's Ace winning Tanahashi. If he's got his hair <laughs> down, it doesn't happen. And I've, I've, I've tested this. this. Oh my gosh, I have tested this so many times. I think <laughs> around the time of the G1 final last year, and we, my Chen and I, we were like, edge to our seat, like, what kind of hair is he going to have? Because it holds up. If he's got a ponytail, he's winning. So I'm hoping for ponytail Tana this time. Nice. The only the only thing that makes me think that maybe Tanahashi wouldn't win is because even though they have this great working relationship, the political climate with uh, wrestling right now is so up in the air. And like, there's guys wrestling, like Pac, for instance. Yeah. A lot of guys wrestling for Ring of, or for Rev Pro that like are also tied to like AEW and other companies like that. And so it might be a political mess to have Tanahashi win. But I also got to think like they love trying to elevate their belt by putting it on top stars from Japan. They did it with Ishii. They did it with Suzuki. Suzuki yeah. So it would make sense to like have that. I mean, what better way can you have to like add legitimacy to your title than to put it on Tanahashi? You know what I mean? And like you said, Jeremy, to give him new matches, new things to do. And I think if he wins, then that sets up a G1 match down the line for them, maybe even a title rematch. Like we might be seeing like the genesis of like a low key, like feud of the year right here. So I'm very excited. Yes. It's going to be great. Oh, that would be great. I just want to know if Taka is going to come out and say, who are you to Tanahashi? <laughs> oh, dude. I, I love the Taka Michinohu um, intro that he does with Saber. And I hope that he is there. I believe Taka is going to be in town. So, he will be. Yeah. He's he's wrestling some matches for the collective, so. Nice. So, yeah. So, hopefully, we're getting that Taka Saber introduction and, yeah, asking, who are you? And asking us in, Jap in Japanese, who we think is going to win. Kanahashi, <laughs> <laughs> come on over here. Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, speaking of awesome, the next match is the IWGP Intercontinental Championship Woo! match with the champion Tetsuya Naito defending against the challenger, the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. Ab <laughs> and we have a question from Rambone Slam Pig on Reddit. He wants to know, why do Ibushi and Naito hate their necks so much? And do you think this match is going to steal the show? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, first of all, why do they keep doing this to us? How are we supposed to choose between Naito and Ibushi? Like, oh my gosh. Second of all, of course they're next. I mean, this is going to be a battle of the next. I was wondering after Ibushi had gotten injured at Wrestle Kingdom and Naito and Taichi had this match where they were going after each other's necks constantly. They were pile driving each other onto tables. They were kicking each other into their necks. They were landing on their necks for whatever reason. And I, I was wondering if it was because they just missed Coda. <laughs> he wasn't there. So they just decided to make, pretend like he was. Um, Kota Ibushi is interesting too, because he takes these, what I call Kota bumps, which is where he doesn't move and he lands on his neck for literally no reason other than just to land on his neck. Yeah. So I fully expect that these guys, they both have a ridiculous amount of intensity. And they both have a dramatic sense of daring. They're constantly daring themselves to push harder, and they're daring each other to push harder. So just like 
Ishii or Suzuki relishes in pain that is dished out to them, they relish in the idea of competition in flight and strength. So I fully expect that this match is going to steal the show, blow the roof off, and I think Kota Ibushi is going to win in this match. I think that if he does, this might set Naito up for an incredible run at the G1. And we might even see Naito in a position to go after the IWGP title again. I mean, we I rewatched Wrestle Kingdom 12, and the crowd was so on fire for Naito to get that title. And they just didn't run with it for some inexplicable reason. And I think that now would be a fantastic time to do that. He's had the IC belt for a while. He's had some solid defenses with it. Kota Ibushi just committed to New Japan for two years. So having him run the ranks of the titles and carry these titles up and higher would be great. So I would love to see Kota pull this, but either way, it's going to be an amazing match and we're all winners for watching it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, um, Ibushi versus Naito was, you know, personally my favorite match of the New Japan Cup and I thought it was the best match of the whole tournament. Underrated. Yeah, I think it's a very underrated match and I'm really looking forward to this match and I'm also going with Kota Ibushi here. You know, they've been doing a great job telling the story of um, Kota Ibushi and what he thinks about the IC title and he really admires the former champions like Shinsuke Nakamura and Hiroshi Tanahashi and he sees both of those guys as, you know, his role models and guys he's always looked up to and he wants to, you know, be a champion like both of those guys. And so uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. You put that IC belt on Kota Ibushi and that allows you to kind of get Naito back on track into the heavyweight division. And like you mentioned, Amy, um, you can have Naito get a run in the G1, potentially win the G1, and then you can run back Naito and Akata for the IWGP title at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, it is, um, it's going to be such a privilege and such an honor to see these two guys lock, lock it up and, and do battle in Madison Square Garden. Um, I know like fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling have been you know, critical for a long time about how often these guys have come to the States and we haven't seen any big Japanese versus Japanese singles matches, whether it was at you know, the Long Beach shows or what have you. So... The fact that we're getting this match, this, again, is another Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion-level quality match, and it is my most anticipated match for the entire show. Um, and not to say I'm not excited for other stuff, but, man, like, we're going to see Ibushi and Naito on U.S. soil. Like, that's yeah. freaking insane. Yeah, this is going to be incredible. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it's so interesting. Just like Amy was saying, like, how can you pick between these two guys? Um, we... Uh, you know, both guys are kind of at a crossroads. People keep wondering with Naito when he's going to get back in the IWGP title picture, um, you know, and then you have Ibushi resigning, and he hasn't had the most stellar, you know, uh, win-loss record since he returned um, this past year. And so you've got to imagine, like, it's like, a, again, it's like a crossroads match. Like, who who's going to take the win here? And I think that part of me is like, no, they're not going to switch another title because – if our predictions are right, they're switching like all the belts so far. <laughs> yeah. But on big shows like Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom, that is what they tend to do. So I think that they're going to do another title switch here. And I think Kota Ibushi's walking away with the white strap. And I think, 
you know, later in the year, Naito is going to have a run at possibly winning the G1. So I'm very, very, very excited. This is the match to look out for. If they're given the amount of t- the time that they're allowed, there's no way that – I don't know if any other match could, from an athletic standpoint and an in-ring standpoint, actually outdo this match. I just don't know if anyone else has it in them to actually do that. Yeah, and I feel bad for the LIJ fans if Naito takes this big loss in Madison yeah. Square Garden. Um, Amy, have you come across any of the, the super passionate LIJ fans on Twitter? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have something to say for them, that if Naito drops this title, the G1 is right around the corner. So there is still hope for Naito. And this is LIJ's year. I mean, they are killing it in New Japan right now. So I, I really don't think that if Naito drops this belt, that that means that this is a definitive loss for Naito. I think that this is a potential gain for him down the road. Yeah, that, that was the point I was trying to make when I said it was a crossroads match, but I couldn't articulate it because I was forgetting. But that, that has been like a reoccurring theme and story for Naito ever since he lost that uh, crucial match to Okada back at WrestleMania 12 or uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12 is that he, he, he's constantly winning. But when it comes to the big shows, more often than not, he's suffering these big crucial losses that makes the LIJ diehards just be up in arms and wonder like, has Gato lost his freaking mind? <laughs> and it's hard to imagine that, that you have this top guy. He's still arguably the most overstar in new Japan for wrestling. And then he's going to come to the States and drop the belt to Ibushi. Like that seems yeah. crazy to me, but you know, I can just imagine what Showbuckle's redemption story video is going to be like <laughs> when this guy goes from losing in the garden and then, then uh, turns around and potentially gets a title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. Like, that's such a redemption story. So, I, I mean, they could go either way with this, but it does seem like it, now's the time for Ibushi. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it would also be poetic if – all of our predictions that I'm assuming that they will all line up towards the end are correct, that this will be the year of redemption for New Japan. And if that's the case, then what a story that would be to watch play out. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I can't wait. Five stars. <laughs> seven. No. Yeah, seven. <laughs> oh, real quick, Amy, do you believe that you can get more than five stars or you, or you think it caps it? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. I didn't know I was going to walk into the Meltzer trap. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that, you know, five stars is great. I think that uh, giving Okada Omega 4 seven stars was enough of a differentiation to let people know that definitively this is one of the best wrestling matches of time so i think that in that case that those things are certainly warranted i do think the waters get a little murky once you start rating a lot of matches and five and a half five and a quarter five and three quarters (laughs) but i personally don't have a problem with it enough that i would stick a you know line in the sand and and make a stand on it so i'm either or i'm okay with it oh i have a line in the sand Five is the top. So you can't go above five. That's what it is. The, I think the whole system's broken. You know, I'm, all, I'm all about expanding, you know, horizons, breaking boundaries, breaking limits. And, you know, if we get some, you know, Okada, Omega-like performances, I'm, I'm fine with a six, a seven. Heck, yeah. let's, get a, let's get an eight-star match sometime this year. Let's do it. It's not real, bro. <laughs> 
<laughs> 10 stars, man. We're going for 10. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now we're going to move to the semi-main event of the card. It's the Ring of Honor World Title match. As the Ring of Honor World Champion, uh, Jay Lethal will defending against the villain Marty Skrull and the leader of the kingdom, Matt Taven, in a triple threat ladder match. What are your thoughts, Amy? All right. So, um, Jay Lethal is synonymous to me, to the ROH world title. He, I don't know how long he's been champion, um, but every time I think of who the champion is, to me, it's always Jay Lethal. So, he needs to have some new challenges. Uh, Marty Skrull, we're not really sure what his plans are. I mean, there's a lot of rumblings that have been going around for months that his contract is up in April. And of course, will he join AEW? Will he go to NXT? Will he stay in ROH? We don't really know what his plans are. So I think it's, it's difficult to really drop a confident statement for Marty Skrull. That said, I hate Matt Taven. I cannot stand Matt Taven. Every time he comes out, he's like, I'm Matt Taven. I keep thinking of that South Park movie where Matt Damon keeps saying his yeah. name over and over again. Team America. Yes, yeah. yes. And I went through and like made this huge list of words that rhyme with Matt Taven. So I called him like Rat Craven <laughs> <laughs> for a while. But all of that said, I think Matt Taven ends up taking this title because Ooh. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, and I agree. Man, how could you possibly say that? Here's why. <laughs> because I think that this will give people both in ROH and in New Japan when they visit like something to rally around. And as we saw with Jay White, it's interesting when you have someone who is so devious and so rude and so sneaky to be a real villain and to have feuds and rivalries and something to climb towards, an obstacle to overcome. So I think Matt Taven will end up being something like that for ROH for their world title. And I think that he's going to probably end up taking it, and I'm going to hate it. Man, young boy, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, I got to say, the I think that the idea that this is going to be a triple threat uh, ladder match is pretty significant because if you think about the history of WrestleMania weekend and Madison Square Garden and ladder matches, your mind immediately goes to WrestleMania 10, Sean and Razor yeah. in the garden. Mm -hmm. And – that's pretty that's like such a historic thing and so lofty so the idea that an outside company is showing up on mcmahon's turf and putting on uh you know a pretty significant title match with the ladders involved like that's going to be incredible plus these three guys in particular they're not going to want to be upstaged in any way by the New Japan talent that are preceding or following them. So they have a big bill, bill you know, in front of them that they have to fill. The idea that they can stand up and, and um, you know, have a good showing right after the uh, Naito and Ibushi match, and then they're going to be followed by Okada and Jay White, um, they, they're going to have to show up. And luckily enough, Ring of Honor has such an incredible track record. I'm not the biggest Ring of Honor fan, but they have such an incredible track record of putting on incredible ladder matches that I just got to imagine that all three of these guys, they know what's at stake. They know that they are at this point seen as, and I don't mean to be mean, but like kind of like second rate players. And this is their chance to kind of step out of that role and put, 
put on something that is going to be forever memorable. And it's very similar how we talked about like uh, at Dominion last year when Jericho and Naito had a big bill in front of them and they kind of just did like a, a an incredible street fight and something that was totally different from, you know, Kenny Omega and Okada. That's what we're getting here. We're getting something that's entirely different from the two matches that they're sandwiched between. So they have every opportunity to just like blow people away and give people a palate cleanser and do something that's going to really like shock and awe people. And I got to say, I have for a long time said, I'm not going to go with this guy. And I don't know what his contract situation is, but it seems to me if I was booking and if I have him under contract for even a few more months, I'm going to go with Marty Skrull. Um, I think Amy has a, a great point that Matt Taven winning is a very viable uh, possibility, especially with how many face wins for title matches there could possibly be. You got to imagine that some heel will win, but at the same time, I'm like, well, Marty's the guy with the juice. He's the guy that, that, that the fans want to see. You want to bolster ticket sales. You want to bolster, you know, drawing ability. Uh, It's past the time of, of Jay lethal. I don't think Matt Taven's the dude that's going to really be pushing the envelope. You go with Marty. That's what I would do. And, you know, just like you, Amy, I, I also hate Matt Taven and cannot stand him. And I, I do see the very good possibility of him winning the title. You know, the whole storyline in Ring of Honor is that there's a conspiracy against him and the kingdom and that Ring of Honor management always screws them out of title shots and opportunities. Um, you know, they had the big match at the anniversary show where this the match of Jay Lethal went for an hour and was a draw. Um, so I could see them, you know, being a ladder match, not pinning Jay Lethal as a good way to get the belt over on Matt Taven. However, I hate him so much that I'm, <laughs> I have to go um, with the villain Marty Skrull. Like Josh said, uh, Marty, he still has that kind of the, the elite aura on him, and he's one of the most popular guys in Ring of Honor right now. And they have the whole villain enterprises thing going with him, PCO, and Brody King. So I think you put the belt on him until his contract runs out. There's a big um, NWA title match he has later in April against Nick Aldis, and so they can make that a champion versus champion match. They've already teased that on TV, um, so I think they, they can go in that direction, have the Ring of Honor champion versus the NWA world champion, um, and then whenever his contract is up, you have whoever beat Marty, and then he's off to sunset. If they don't go with Marty now, then that's it. They're never going to go with him. Yeah. This is true, and he really does. I mean, he has been so popular, so fun to watch, and he's been there for so long, so of course, that would be a great option for him, and I hope you guys are right. I really hope Matt Taven does (laughs) not walk out of that carrying a title. I hope it's the villain that we all really love. (laughs) I hope that it's Marty Skrull, and especially given the context of that NWA match, I think you're right. I think that having him go in there with the legitimacy of being his own champion in his own right makes a lot of sense. So if I hadn't already given my prediction, that would have totally swerved it, but I'm going to stick with Matt Taven and I'm still (laughs) going to hate it. And I hope that I'm wrong. (laughs) With, with with all the variables that are in play, you've got to imagine Matt Taven in a ladder match where there's no rules. There's no way that we're not going to see some balloons popping up at some point and a hatchet and, you know, the Kingdom Geeks coming out, those Jags. Yeah, Vinny and uh, TK Orion, yeah. But on the same side, on the other, t- you know, on the other side of things, you have Villain Enterprises. Uh, Marty has backup. So the thing that I'm left wondering, and you watch the product more than me, Jeremy, 
who are Jay Lethal's boys? Does he have backup? He's got someone uh, watching him. Jay Lethal's main ally has been um, the Octopus, Jonathan Gresham. They've been an on-again, off-again tag team, and Gresham has always been the one that's had his back, especially in the build-up to the match with him and Taven. Gresham was helping Lethal out battling the kingdom. But also, Lethal has um, kind of had an alliance with um, Lifeblood, which is Juice Robinson's group with Juice, oh, Bandito, Mark Haskins, and um, all those guys. So, um, you know, they have been fighting for bringing back the honor and ring of honor. So you could have, if the kingdom gets involved, you could have lifeblood kind of come out and fight the kingdom off. I think that's the thing to look out for. Lifeblood, kingdom, and villain enterprises will all most likely on some level be involved in this ladder match. Yeah. So we'll have like a, a honor rumble, but with ladders. Yes. I, I think all, all right. these guys are going to get involved to some degree. Uh, kind of like a wrestle, uh, the TLC match when all their, their backups kind of showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what we're going to see here a bit. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun and also a really great way for them to stand out where they're sandwiched in between two legendary matches. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about that second legendary match. It's the main event of the evening. It is for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. The champion, Switchblade Jay White, defending against the New Japan Cup 2019 winner, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. Jay White. <laughs> Amy, <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking here? Hmm, I wonder who might be walking out of this legendary match in a legendary arena with this legendary title. This is the year in New Japan for Okada's redemption. We saw the great betrayal that occurred against him at the hands of Jay White and Gato. We saw him after he lost his title and lost a sense of really who he was. Who is the Rainmaker Okada without the title? Who is he? And so he had to find himself. We saw him sort of struggle in a haze of identity and not really knowing who he was. We saw him find new strengths and friendships forged with people from the most unlikely places in Tanahashi. We saw him create his own strengths with his own pillars and foundations around him. And we saw him come back out at Wrestle Kingdom as the Rainmaker Okada to the most euphoric pop heard around the world. But he lost that match. And his year has been about climbing that ladder and proving his strength. And the New Japan Cup, especially in that match with Ishii, acting as the sort of guardian of chaos for everyone to really prove themselves and prove their merit as they reached the other side, I don't think you have New Japan's biggest star in the U.S., come to Madison Square Garden, face Jay White only to lose. And not only just lose, but lose again for the second time in the row at their biggest shows. Okada is walking out of there as champion, and this is not going to be a negative on Jay. This will set him up to find his own strengths in the Bullet Club and creating other rivalries. He will be back, but this is Okada's time. He's walking out of there as champion. Yeah, Amy, I, I agree with every single word you just said. Um, I yeah. concur. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, this whole story they've been telling with Okada and Jay White, um, Jay has been getting the better of Okada for months and months and months now. And Okada has not been able to get any kind of revenge or comeuppance on Jay White. And, you know, he had the big loss at Wrestle Kingdom, like you mentioned. So I think this is the time 
to get redemption for the Rainmaker. I, I think, you know, they, if they want to create a really special moment, you have Okada kick out of the Blade Runner that nobody's kicked out of yet. Kick out the Blade Runner and have him reverse a second Blade Runner into a Rainmaker clothesline and have him beat Jay White right in the middle, be your new IWGP champion. We get the streamers, confetti, Okada Bucks raining down in Madison Square Garden, everybody just being so happy that the Rainmaker is riding again. And you have him as a champion going into, um, you know, G1 coming in Dallas, that'll be a draw. Him going into the Royal Quest, that'll be a draw. So, Dominion. Yeah, Dominion. So, yeah, I'm all on the Rainmaker bandwagon. We saw um, Okada live for the first and only time last year when we attended uh, All In. I'm try- I know that was in September. I'm trying to remember. When he came out, did he come out to the Okada theme or was it the broken theme? I'm pretty sure it was the broken theme. And he still had the pants on. Yeah. So we've never really seen Rainmaker Okada. In the shorts and the regular music, yeah. And Amy, you were alluding to the fact that he had one of the most ungodly pops during Wrestle Kingdom this past year. And it's not because he's one of the greatest of the, his generation. It's not because he's the ace of this modern time. It's because the shorts came back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say one of the things that's been cracking me up, especially with Tanahashi and Okada as they've been tagging together, has been when Okada rips off the robe and he has a shorts and everybody's cheering. And then Tanahashi <laughs> takes off his robe and there's nothing. And he's like, dude, what? Like, no, man. <laughs> It is all about the trunks. <laughs> yeah, there, there's an interview on YouTube with um, Okada. They're talking about Madison Square Garden and why it's important. And um, the interviewer asked him, you know, why'd you switch back to the, the shorts? And he was like, I was just getting too much, you know, hate about the pants. I was, <laughs> I was getting too much negative feedback. Like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but I, I had to switch it back. <laughs> I loved the pants, though. I mean, I, oh. I know, I know, I did. And I know that I am in a minority here, but um, I did. I loved the way that they accentuated his drop kicks. I loved the way that they flowed in the air. I really loved them. So I was kind of sad when they were gone, but I'll take it if I get Raymaker Okada. You can oh, have man. the pants. On our show, as soon as he displayed those pants and debuted them, like, I went on tangents. <laughs> Uh, we have our annual awards and we were talking about feud of the year and we had people writing in being like the feud of the year should be the young boy Josh Smith versus Okada's pants. Like, yeah. Oh was, man. It was some serious, you want to talk about heat? That, that was some serious heat right there. I was saying that like every day that he wore the pants, New Japan's profits were dropping, but they were losing. <laughs> but um, when, when he debuted those shorts, the pop in our living room from me specifically <laughs> I freaking lost my mind. I thought I was going to break the TV because I thought like the amount of like how much I was jumping up and down. I thought like the TV was going to fall over. Like I freaked out. So I, you got to imagine like when he pulls those, uh, whatever it is, the thing he wears his robe or whatever and reveals the shorts. I'm going to, I never thought that I would like pop so hard for, uh, <laughs> for another man just wearing shorts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, I'm so happy for you that you got to have that experience. I hope that I get to feel that one day about Sonata's beard because that for me <laughs> is the thing that I will go on a tangent in my car with my daughter. We will just be tired. I'll be like, and another thing. 
<laughs> so I, I hope that one day I get that experience, but I'm really, really happy for you that you got that with the shorts. <laughs> you know how they have handsome Rusev? Mm -hmm. uh, when um, Sonata shaves his beard, he's going to become handsome Sonata. <laughs> oh my God, that beard is such a travesty. It's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen on anybody ever. It's hor It's like a haystack. It's like he's a porcupine, but he fell in a mud puddle and then just decided to jump in some straw and threw some toothpicks on his face and there's Sonata's beard. <laughs> no, you should have seen my beard. I tried to grow a beard this past year. It was atrocious. It was way worse than Sonata's beard. I don't think so. It's not Sonata's beard. No. Pretty bad. But, Sonata's um, beard is the worst. Anyway, sorry, Okada. We were talking about Okada. <laughs> so yeah, so <laughs> we just are off topic. Um, <laughs> Okada. Uh, here's the thing: like people have, you know, speculated, and there are people who are predicting Jay White to win this. And I, I don't think it's an impossibility, but I think it is the wrong direction. They've built this feud up for you know, almost a year, we're, we're, on, we're approaching the quarter point of the year. So like a year and a quarter. <laughs> so we're talking like, what, 16 months that this thing has been brewing. They've had two matches already. Both times Jay White has gotten the win. Uh, one time through nefarious means the second time this past January, he, he beat him clean to mm -hmm. the shock and on surprise of everybody watching. And it was to build to this culminating event. And so it is it's going to be so awesome. I think for everybody who is saying that, you know, it buries Jay White to lose this match, I think that they're missing the point here. Jay White has gone on such an incredible run, almost winning the G1, becoming the leader of the Bullet Club, getting, you know, clean victories over Tanahashi, over uh, Will Ospreay, over Okada. You know, this guy has already been established as one of the top players. Now, would it make him um, a bigger star to be Okada? Yes, but I think it's negligible at this point what they need to do, and it's the, it's what they're going to do. They're going to put their ace over in Madison Square Garden, and as much as they're riding with Jay White, there's no way that he is going to defeat the ace when the title's on the line in the biggest show they've ever done on foreign soil. So it's going to be Okada. Okada's getting that Rainmaker. He's going he's gonna to win the title. We're going to go go home so happy. Everybody's going to be freaking jubilant. It's I just cannot wait. It's yeah. Oh, absolutely agreed. And there's also, there's two things here, right? So there's Okada needs to leave this as champion because Okada losing this, Jay winning is going to harm Okada far more than it would elevate Jay at this point because we've already had Okada suffering major losses from Jay in his climb back to the Rainmaker. Yes. So there's that. But there's also, you know, just the sheer euphoria that everyone would experience. But also, this does not diminish Jay White as his IWGP champion reign. I mean, we had a guy who nobody expected would become the champion this year. I remember talking about this with a lot of people, and they were like, no way, you're crazy. There's no way that this is going to happen. But we had somebody who came in who challenged Tanahashi for the IC belt, who challenged Okada and said that I'm coming for you. This is a guy who seeks out weakness. And anytime someone falls from grace, Jay White is there saying you should not be at the top because you don't deserve it. I deserve to be here. And whether he does this by nefarious means or clean means, as in the case at Wrestle Kingdom, he's still there snuffing out weakness wherever he sees it. And he's had legitimate defenses in his title run. So to have him lose against someone like Okada doesn't diminish that. I mean, if not Okada, who else? 
He's already taking Tanahashi. So having him take Okada, I mean, he's got a great run. This sets him up for something to climb for in the future to build his own strength up around himself with the Bullet Club and going through the G1, and it gives him something to climb for. I think this sets Jay White up for an equally great future, just in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the um, one of the criticisms that people have about this is they're saying, well, it's hot shotting the, the title around. Um, you know, Jay White just won the belt. And even though he defeated Will Ospreay, it wasn't a title match. So he technically hasn't defended the title yet. And so he has to retain the title. Otherwise, it's a weak title run. And, you know, it would really bury him and hurt him. And it's like, I feel like people who are saying that, A, don't understand the magnitude of star that Okada is. And going back to the points that you brought up, Amy and Jeremy as well, just the fact that he's already beaten this guy twice up to this point. It's time for somebody to get comeuppance. But I'm looking at a list here. I'm going to go through a list of a couple names. These are people who won the IWGP title and were not able to successfully defend it. And you tell me if this harmed their careers. Big Van Vader, Ricky Choshu, Tatsumi Fujinami, Scott Norton, um, <laughs> uh, Kijimuto, Tenryu, um, Tenzan, uh, Kensuke Sasaki, like Kazuyuki Fujita, um, Manabu Nakanishi, like the, Hiroshi Tanahashi, just, you know. So, I mean, just looking at that list of names, those are all like literally, for the most part, Hall of Famers. And it's not, un, it, it's very normal for people to get their first title win in New Japan and not successfully defend it. And it doesn't mean that they're never going to be in the title picture again. It doesn't mean that they've been diminished. Like, this is why they put the title on heels is so that mega stars can get the win back in big, big time matches like this. So I feel like anyone who thinks that Jay White is going to be diminished by losing this is, they're kind of missing the point yeah. at this point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, you know, even just in the way that he became champion, he's had a fascinating run from the entire story of its creation for the IWGP championship for him. So regardless, when we see his picture on the list of champions with their accolades, he is going to have a memorable run for his first run. And I think you're right, and it's very important to note that their first run is an important step in longevity. So he certainly has a long career ahead of him with a lot of highs and lows. It doesn't have to stop here. And I think that if you do think that it stops here, that you're probably putting a little less merit into Jay White than is necessary because he has the talent, the skill, the athleticism, the hunger to keep carrying that forward into a more dynamic IWGP run later. Yeah, yeah, you said that perfectly, Amy. And um, we have a question here from uh, Twitter user at Headband Brother. He said that he heard another podcast say that Jay White's best run will be him as a future babyface. Do you think this is likely? So what do you think about a potential babyface run for Jay White? That would be interesting. He's so good as a heel. Um, I really underestimated him uh, before the U.S. match that he had with Juice. He had such nuclear heat in that match that it completely changed how I viewed him. I, I, I think it would be really interesting to see him go as a face. He certainly could. When he was a young lion, he adored Tanahashi. And it's really fun to go back and see old 
interactions with Tanahashi. And you could see Jay White as a young lion when they're supposed to be sort of inconspicuous and not really seen. And he's down there slamming the mat and throwing his fists up in the air. I think he could make a great face. I don't know what that story would look like, though. It would be very interesting to see. Yeah, I feel like it would have to be somebody like a Tanahashi, somebody he looked up to that would try to pull him out away from the Bullet Club. Um, but yeah, I mean, for right now, I think he's doing a great job as a heel. And I think, you know, clearly they're not ready to get rid of, you know, the Bullet Club, you know, logo and branding and merchandise. So you got to have a strong, you know, guy leading the group. So I think he'll be kind of heading up Bullet Club for a while, but down the road, I mean, you have a guy like Tanahashi or maybe even the whole Okada thing, get him to the point where he kind of breaks away from Bullet Club and then eventually becomes a baby face down the line. Yeah, I think, and we've talked about it many times, how divisive Jay White is as a personality and a character. You know, there are many people who have no love loss for <laughs> for Jay White. But kind of what Amy said, since the Juice match, he's proven himself time and time again to be an incredible talent. Um, I, I mean, do I think he has it in him to be a great face? Like, absolutely. But at this current given time... I can't really think of what the benefit would really be for him long-term to, to make that switch. Because when I think about Jay White and all the potential matches that would be big money draws, big money matches, it's all, it's all involving guys that are faces. And when I think about the guys that are heels that he could go up against, he's kind of that snarky thinking man's heel to where you could put him up against other heels and still draw money. Like who wouldn't want to see him in Minoru Suzuki again, you know? Yeah. So it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I know that it would probably change his um, – the way, like obviously his facials and his behaviors and maybe his moveset to a degree, but he's proven himself to me as a heel. I don't really know that I think that that would mean he would have a better run. I think that people who feel that way – I don't mean to generalize, but I feel like it's people who are not fans of – you know the direction that they've taken him or his performances maybe they think that he needs to turn face so that he can have better matches yeah and and not have so much shenanigans in his matches that sort of thing but I mean this guy's proven it to me I mean the Okada match the Osprey match the Tanahashi match the Jay White match like this guy can go and I think we're gonna get another incredible showing in this match, and I think it will be his career-defining moment, or at least the first of of many. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the interesting thing about Jay White is that he really does have an almost like Zack Sabre Jr. type of ring awareness just in how he looks at a situation that's unfolding around him. Let's take, for example, the Yoshihashi incident where he was injured when he was running down the ramp. Jay White looked at the situation, saw what was happening, and immediately went into heel mode to take advantage of it to get even more heat onto that situation. He's very good at adaptive thinking and reflexive strategy. And I think that if he does end up losing the title here, this is going to give him an opportunity to explore that more. Just like we saw in the match with Will Ospreay, where there was a lot of high thinking maneuvering with Jay White. I think it's going to be really interesting to see him get to play with the heel dynamic, maybe less centered around the great betrayal aspect and more celebrated or centered on just how he moves in the ring. Maybe there's interference from the Bullet Club, sure, but maybe it's just on Jay White's prowess and heelish nature alone that gets him over on these matches. And I think he really has a great opportunity to explore that and expand that going forward. 
Definitely. And, you know, I love that you brought up the whole thing with Yoshihashi, you know, falling and him, him capitalizing on that to make the moment better. We also saw that during the U.S. title match against Juice Robinson when um, Josh Barnett tried running in the ring uh, to get him. And then he was just egging on Josh Barnett and just getting more heat out of the situation. So I think he's very good on thinking on the fly, being on his toes, and knowing how to capitalize on moments to generate heat and get himself more over. And I think he, he's a very cerebral wrestler. Uh, like you mentioned, great ring awareness, great ring tactician. Um, he knows what's going around. He's always aware of his surroundings, whether stuff is supposed to be happening or whether it's not supposed to be happening, and kind of turning that into his favor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you guys said it so perfectly. Like, I don't know if I have much more to add to that. The one thing I think people are somewhat concerned about, though, when it comes to this match is that we're going to get some of the uh, shenanigans and tomfoolery that we've had with his matches in the past, uh, specifically his run through the G1 or some of his other singles matches where I think people are worried about Bullet Club interference or Gato or Jado. Um, and I feel like it would be – very, very uh, crucial and important for them to limit that sort of thing. Obviously, I think Gator will be involved to some degree, and I think that if he does get involved, um, it will probably play into the storyline that we've seen with, obviously, we, we all know Gato's history with uh, Okada, so I'm not opposed to that to some degree, but they really need to limit that and let these guys go out there and you know, really just showcase what they have. Um, Cause otherwise you don't want to leave a bad taste in people's mouths or tarnish this, this match with like a, a Fale interference or GOD or something like that. Like you want to let these guys go out there and, and showcase what they have on the biggest stage. Um, one thing that Jeremy had asked, and I think it's something we need to really consider, are we going to see the first kick out of the Blade Runner? I, th- I think we should. That is an interesting question. I don't know if we should, because I do think that while that would be fantastic and incredibly um, great to see, especially with their story um, and their history together, I think that if they preserved it, that the match wouldn't lose anything. I think if anything, having that preservation for Jay White would be something worth keeping for him if he's going to lose the title to have that be something on the other hand, if he does kick out of it, it does show the strength of Okada. It does show um, this sort of impervious force that he's become. So it would tell a great story, but I don't think the match loses anything by having the Blade Runner preserved. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. And, um, you know, I don't think, yeah, like you said, it's not going to ruin the match or anything if he doesn't kick out of the Blade Runner. But I just think it would make a great false finish. I mean, when he hit the Blade Runner at, at Wrestle Kingdom, I thought he was going to kick out, and he didn't. And yep. I was stunned. Oh, so it would be a great callback to that then. Right, yes, yeah, be a great yeah. callback. And you would have that whole Madison Square Garden arena, you know, all 18,000, how many people, however many people it's going to be. Oh, we'd be so freaked out. Yes, the draws would be jocked yes. when he hits a Blade Runner and the referee is counting one, two, and your heart stops and then Okada kicks out at the last second. Oh. The roof will explode <laughs> off of that building. Yeah. Because that tension would be released. You're absolutely right. Yeah. No, if it happens, that would be great. If it doesn't happen, that's fine. But if it happens, yeah, man, because I would be so set to just cry. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope that 
because I, I got to imagine it's red shoes. I hope he's counting faster than you just did, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, absolutely. Because, you know, keep in mind, it's something that people have been talking about online. And it's something that the uh, commentators have brought up is that for the past year, the whole thing with Jay White is how he studies his opponents and he's able to catch the Blade Runner out of nowhere. You know, we see him do it to Dave Finley. He did it to Kenny Omega. He did it. He's done it to Tanahashi. He's done it to Okada. Goto. Goto. All these guys where he just um, catches them out of nowhere, and then that's the finish of the match. And so there's two ways I could see it going. I could see it where they might preserve it, and he catches Okada, and you think he's about to land it, and Okada has some sort of special counter um, stored. And he reverses it and then, you know, gets out of it. Or we could see it where he lands it. And you and they do it at a pivotal moment, which they're so great at doing. And then Okada kicks out and people lose their minds. We could even see both of those things occur in the same match. Mm. Oh, yeah. That was so, great. Yeah. So I, I just got to imagine um, that because – Nobody has kicked out of that move. And because he put Okada down with that twice now, um, I think that there is a high likelihood that Okada gets caught with it and we think it's over and then he kicks out. And if you're going to have anybody finally kick out of that, Okada's the guy that it's got that has to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't diminish it if it's Okada. You know, it's not somebody else. It's, it's Okada. Um, and also, it would be really interesting if we did see a reversal situation, because that's one of the things that Okada and Tanahashi, Okada was so well known for during where he was studying his opponents and making sure that he wasn't caught off guard the next time. So having that sort of mental acuity play back in Okada's toolbox again as he's come back as the stronger great rainmaker again would be really great to see. One, one place where I told uh, Jeremy I could see them potentially doing it, and I don't think he should hit it here, but maybe like get close to doing it, is Okada hits the drop kick, he stands up, he lifts his head in the air and he does the Rainmaker pose. And then suddenly Jay White pops up and, and like sets him up for the Blade Runner. And I'll be like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, that would be so cinematic. That would be great. Oh man. So yeah, so we are all in, in favor. We have unanimously decided Okada's regaining the IWGP title in New York. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it has to go. I mean, how can you not close out Madison Square Garden in New York on WrestleMania weekend on your biggest show in the United States without that euphoric cheer? Everybody walking out just in awe of the matches that they've seen and the match that they just ended it with. It would set the tone for the entire night as one of the most memorable events that anyone has ever attended. And that's some stiff competition with WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. So to have that be something that you walk out on has to be the high point of everybody's, everybody's night. And also I think it, it would do a great thing in just building back confidence and favor with American New Japan fans. You know, yes. there's still a lot yes. of um, sour taste in people's mouth after the visa issue and the new beginning tours. Um, I mean, we can tell that by the low ticket sales for the Dallas show. So them, you know, coming out, doing all these big one-on-one um, -on -one matches and then ending it off with Okada winning the belt, I think will put everybody in a positive spirit and we might see some ticket sales rise for that G1 show in Dallas and just American fans is having a better taste in their mouth. Yeah, I agree. 
Absolutely. And the G1, I mean, that's the G1. It's not the G1 special. It's not a G1 affiliated show. This is the G1 that they are kicking off in the United States. This is a Japanese tournament. They don't kick this off in the United States, but they are this year, which means that we are going to see the G1 matches starting in the United States, in Dallas. And I'm so excited and I cannot wait to see it live. And I cannot wait to see who is going to climb up these ranks to try to go after Okada, who will be champion walking out of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> one one uh, last point I'd like to make. So a lot of, there've been a lot of people who have been kind of soured on the run of Jay White. Uh, ever since he's been kind of thrust into the main event scene, because um, even though a lot of people have acknowledged that he's skilled and that he's talented, you know, the working standard of match quality in, in New Japan is so, so, I mean, we talked about it earlier, five-star matches, six-star matches, seven-star matches, you know, and it's such a lofty thing to live up to, the the legacy that's been left behind by Okada and Kenny Omega and Ibushi and Naito and all these guys who have these, match of the year caliber matches and Jay White as talented as he is and as much as he delivers on the the top end stage he still has yet to reach one of those elusive match of the year level type matches and I think a lot of people were saying that if he was going to do it with anybody it was going to be Okada at Wrestle Kingdom and then they had what a 15 minute match yeah and that match was incredible but there were still naysayers there were still people who were down on it and they were they were upset that they didn't get to see one of the epic Okada matches in the dome, which you know had been five, six, seven years since something like that had happened. And so there was people who were actually upset at Jay White at that prospect. So with that being said, as great as that match was, now we know why they were kind of holding something back and why they did the shock finish. This is their chance to everyone who's like Jay White needs to win. No, he doesn't need to win. But what needs to happen? They need to have a match of the year caliber type match here on this stage with this opponent. This is the time they do it. This is the time. If they want to get Jay White over in the eyes of the American audience and and abroad and in Japan, he needs to have a match of the year caliber type match with Okada because that will actually wash a lot of the, uh, the bad taste that people have had in their mouths about him over this whole time. And he doesn't have to like diminish his healdom or anything like that to, to make that happen. But this is their opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he can, I think he will certainly go for it. They're going to leave everything in the ring at this match. And we've seen Jay white with his matches with Osprey where he's really starting to work up to that caliber of ring psychology. And we know of course he has exceptional ring psychology, but I really do think they're going to leave it all on the table in the ring at Madison Square Garden. And of course, there's always room for the future too, for him to grow into that consistent match of the year quality style matches. But I for sure think we'll see something like that here at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and one thing I I wanted to mention this and I forgot when I was making my point is that when he wrestled Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, it was the return of the Rainmaker. So we hadn't seen Okada having, you know, he was playing, he was wrestling down in skill level all year due to his character transformation, still putting on great matches. But, you know, after his loss to Kenny Omega, we didn't see, aside from the Tanahashi matches, anything that was approaching what he'd been doing previous to that. 
And then when people thought we were going to get that with him and Jay White in the dome and it didn't happen, people were disappointed. But since that time, we've seen Okada, the real Okada, Mm -hmm. show up time and time again. But even still, the matches that he's been having, in my opinion, as great as they are, they haven't been full-blown Okada great matches. They've been like a little – he's been giving us a little taste. Yeah, some breadcrumbs. (laughs) Like his closing sequences have been incredible, but they haven't been to that upper echelon level this is where they're going to do it. Like, this is where we're going to see the full blown rainmaker return to complete, like super Saiyan form. Like he's, going, <laughs> he's going super Saiyan. And so like, it's not just talking about Jay white, but it's the opportunity for Okada to do what Okada does best. So that's why I am so excited for this match. Absolutely. We will see final form Okada. <laughs> yes. Square garden. It's going to be great. <laughs> Well, Amy, I want to thank you for taking the time and coming on and previewing and predicting the G1 Supercard with us. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward. I hope we get a chance to meet you in New York. I would love to get that done. Um, yeah, absolutely. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the show to talk about the G1 Supercard. It's going to be an amazing show. We clearly have a lot of electrifying matches to look forward to, and really hope we get a chance to shake hands and say hello in person as well. Definitely. And so go ahead and um, you have any plugs that you'd like to get before you leave? Oh, sure. Uh, we have a podcast, uh, Chetty and I do, at Dragon's Den Wrestling. You can find us on Twitter, at Den Wrestling. And, of course, you can also find me at Phoenix NJPW. And, guys, the Dragon's Den podcast is awesome. It's a great listen. So if you love hearing Amy here, you're going to love hearing her on her own show, Dragon's Den. I highly recommend it, guys. All right. So uh, Young Boy and I, we're going to finish the show off here with some questions and, of course, all the news. It was so good uh, having Amy on. She's never coming back to this show. I don't like being upstaged on my own show. She's better than you. She's better than me. Top talent. I can't have that crap. I like to be a big fish in a small pond, and she's better than us, so it's, we can't have it. <laughs> no, but honestly, like, it was a pleasure to have Amy on the show. I just... uh like the whole time that like we were talking with her, like I was looking over at Jeremy and I was like, she's freaking great. Like, yeah, dude, she was awesome, man. Yeah, definitely want to have her on, you know, more often. Nah, I, I'm putting my foot down, bro. I already said, <laughs> but uh, definitely check out her show, Dragons Den, and um, they they do great. You know, they cover uh, New Japan and AEW. Yeah, and whatever they want to cover. Yeah, it's more much. more of a freestyle kind of thing, but it's mainly New Japan and AEW. Yeah, and you know it's funny. Like before we even start recording, we were just chatting it up, and um, there was like a lot of stuff that was like gold that we we're like, all right, we we have to record this because we're like we're missing everything. So yeah. thank you, Amy. Thank you for coming on the show. Like truly, like I was like, man, she's like our best guest we ever had. She's better than Rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! What up, Rich? <laughs> So, um, first question here comes from our boy Muzza. First of all, he says, how to sell out Suplex Mania? Step one, Muzza vs. Youngboy, trivia quiz. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Then he says, for a serious question, do you think it should increase the amount of participants in the best of the Super Juniors from 16 to 20? Well, first off, let me just start by saying we're already sold out. And so you're correct. You could book me and Muzza. It's going to be a sellout. No Muzza, still a sellout. What's the common denominator? 
Josh Smith's a draw, baby. <laughs> nah, I'm hoping people show up. <laughs> I'm really, really like, I, I'm sure people will. Yeah. Like, it's going to be an awesome event. Hey, worst case scenario, it's us just chilling at and Hooters watching WrestleMania. Us. Us. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, nah, but uh, I don't think they need to uh, increase the amount of competitors for the uh, best of the Super Juniors. I mean, I... I get like exhausted. I thought it was great that they increased the number of competitors for the uh, New Japan Cup, but that was a single elimination tournament. Um, I mean, if you increase it by like four more guys, that's like a lot more nights. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessary. Yeah, I mean, I think for best of super junior, I'm fine with sixteen mans, uh, two blocks of eight. I think that's the way to go. I don't think we need to have um, twenty guys in there. What I wouldn't be opposed to is multi-cameras. Mm, for the whole tour. For the whole tour. Not necessarily, they don't have to do full production, and they don't have to, uh, you know, like, do commentary necessarily. But if they had more camera angles, like, because we've seen them do that this this year, they, they still had some single camera shows for the uh, World Tag League, but for the most part, they had multiple cameras. Yeah. Um, and we saw a little bit of that. Uh, at the best super juniors last year, but I'd rather see them like step up in the production level on the current shows that we have now, mm-hmm. as opposed to expanding the number of shows. Because I mean, it's daunting watching. I mean, who watch like aside from like us psychos who watches the whole entire New Japan Cup? Yeah, not yeah. Plus, like we're we've already talked this year about like a thinned out uh, junior division, and like they have a lot of viable options for outside guys to come in, but. Inside, there's not many. Not like there was last, like the last two years. So, no, I don't know if that would be the best idea. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be totally opposed to it, but it does feel like it would almost a little bit water it down. Yeah. As opposed to, I I say, improve what you're working with right now. You know. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, in the future, maybe. Yeah, maybe Um, if they if they get a more loaded uh, division. That that, that's more shows for them to have to sell too. True. Yeah. So. Good question. Uh, next question from Reddit user: Why did you do that, bro? Do you think Ishii could be the Chaos Mole? I th- I say this because Ishii is the only Chaos guy that hasn't uh, been across the ring from Bullet Club since Jay White betrayed Chaos. Well, we talked a few weeks ago. We don't even know if the, like they're still doing the Mole storyline. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we kind of said like I feel like to me, I felt like that was something Jay White. Just said. said to kind of, you know, rattle Okada and Chaos. The only thing that leads you to believe that maybe there was some validity to it was the amount of times they brought it up on commentary. Right, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes it's like the English commentary, they're out there with, like, a chicken with their head cut off. They don't know what's happening in the in the company. They're just trying to trying to make this shit work, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Especially, like, I definitely could tell, like, like um, during this uh, New Japan Cup tour, like, when the Phantasmo videos were playing... Like, the first night, like, Kevin Kelly was like, oh, I know that music. I recognize that face. That's El Fantasmo from Rap Pro. And then the rest of the tour, he didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like, dude, we didn't want you to, like, announce who it was yet <laughs> for people who don't know. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you just never know. Um, next question from Reddit user. Oh, oh, but, oh I did want to say, though, I really really don't think that the mole from chaos is Ishii. Oh yeah. Like that would be literally one of the most radical character changes. The whole thing with Ishii is the fact that like he's this 
hard-nosed, grizzled, like, rest on his, like, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Rest on his laurels, kind of. No, no, that's the wrong Not laurels, but, but like. like, uh, he's his own man, pretty much. Yeah, he's his own man. Like, he's all about his, uh, God, I want, like, I'm so, usually I'm articulate. Now, I can't think of the word. Like, his integrity. Yeah. The fact that, like, he's, like, diehard chaos, like, through and through. Like, this guy's, like, he's, like, the backbone of chaos. That's not to say he couldn't turn on them, but think about this. What would Ishii in the Bullet Club look like? Right. That, I, yeah. If he joins Bullet Club, he's going to end up as a lackey. That would suck. Yeah. Can you imagine him, like, forming a tag team with Yujiro, and they're, like, the Tokyo Pimps? And, oh, like, my gosh. Yujiro, and then, like, Ishii's out here, like, with a cane and, like, a top <laughs> hat. Like, that shit would suck. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I really don't think Ishii's... I mean, Ishii's going to turn on them, like, he should just go solo. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that would be a good one. <laughs> I don't think that's the direction they're going. I could be wrong, but I I would probably put money on it. There's not a lot of things in life I'd put money on, but that's one I feel fairly certain about. Yeah. Uh, next question from Reddit user Eater of Bread. Which member of Gladius do you most want to release a solo album? So there was this news article that posted on um, NJPW1972.com talking about this New Japan a uh, rock band called Gladius that announced that they are breaking up after all this time. There's whole big news release thing. Um, honestly, I am not familiar with Gladius. I had no idea what this was or what the heck it is. I mean, is this is, okay? So I saw the video on Reddit, and it was you know there was a music video that just came out, and it looked it sounded like it was like a J metal cover of the New Japan theme song, and it was like Tanahashi, Taguchi, uh, Makabe, and Harold Mai. Yeah. And I thought it was just some sort of spoof, but I guess there's more to it. Is Gladius a real band, or is that the name of their band that they're, like... that? That's the name of their band that they're, like, pretending to be or be, Okay, or... so he's being facetious, like... Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, because I was thinking, like, well, you know, like, I was thinking, like, maybe it's, like, a... Uh, like Jim Johnson, like, you know, the dude that made all the, like, maybe Gladius makes a bunch of the music for New Japan. I don't know. I'm not, like, inundated enough, like, to, I, yeah, this one yeah. kind of went over so my it head. So it says, oh, here, here's the biography. So, New Japan Gladius is a hard rock heavy metal four-piece consisting of Ryu vo- vocals, Ace guitar, Shinya bass, and Mei drums. Their melodic riffs and pounding rhythms have made them a hit from local venues around their home base uh, to stadiums across the country, including Osaka Joe Hall and the Tokyo Dome. See, now I feel bad because this is like a this is like a, a funny question based on like an inside joke that like New Japan's doing, and I didn't get it. I had no clue what they, what he was talking about. Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, uh, Taguchi, <laughs> it's all about the front man. It's all about the vocals. You can put whatever, whoever you want behind them. I mean, the rest of these guys, they're just jags. Uh, man, I, I'll go with the ace man. You know. He's always putting on a good show after he wins the match, so I'll say go Ace, man. He still needs somebody to sing. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can find somebody. He can, like, bring in special people to do vocals. That's pretty funny, though. Uh, next question comes from Reddit user Maserati. He says, have you guys watched the Kenny Omega documentary yet? I think it's out and saw him do a seven-minute awkward interview about it recently. Um, I haven't watched it, but I I don't know for sure. But I also, at the same time, know for sure that Jeremy's already watched it. 
Yes. I don't know that to be true, but I'm telling you that I know that to be true. <laughs> yeah. You you walked by when I was watching it the other night. Uh, you were? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know you were watching it. Like, yeah. I, when was that? Uh, Friday night, I believe it was. Man, I really don't keep an accounting of like what's on the TV. <laughs> I had I didn't know that. Yeah. I just knew that like somehow, some way, when this shit came out, you're gonna be watching it. Like, and I know you already seen it. Yeah, so. Rich uh, hooked me up with a link on YouTube because you know it's only available in Canada. Um, so there is a YouTube link floating around if you're trying to watch that Kenny Omega documentary. I did see it and I thought it was very good. Um, just watching the buildup of just. Kenny, from the beginning of Kenny Omega's career, and just watching the whole story of um, the Golden Lovers, and then the Bullet Club, and then, you know, All In, all this stuff, and so, um, you know, they ended up with a nice story of the Golden Lovers back together, but we now know, you know, right now they're not together. There's, that's where the documentary ended? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's too bad, because, I mean, Kenny has gone through quite a downfall. I mean, he lost the IWGP title in the Dome. He got pinned by Don Callis last week in Winnipeg. <laughs> this man is washed. This man has lost it. Uh, Kenny Omega's done, bro. I hope he never comes back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And good riddance. Hold on, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go a little, little too far on that one. You know, uh, I was mentioning that uh, my brother, uh, you know, just started checking out New Japan. And I wanted to be like, you should, you should watch some Kenny Omega but I don't want to tell him that because Kenny's gone. So I'm like, yeah, I don't want to like get his hopes up. And then man's not the man's not here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except he's only the greatest wrestler alive today. <laughs> I know. I'm not yeah. named Okada. <laughs> yeah, kind of bummed. It's gonna be a while till we see him. Hopefully, we'll see him either if we go end up going to CEO in June or fight for the Fallen in July. Um, I'm hoping he shows up on the MSG card. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh man. That you know what that's I'm being facetious, but that could happen. You never know, bro. It's Mania weekend. Crazy stuff happens. Yeah, I, I would love him to pop up on the WrestleCon Super Show. Uh, there was people that were speculating like, what if he shows up at the DDT show? Which I was like, that could, could happen. happen with Michael Nakazawa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't watched Being the Elite since they left. Wow, I haven't watched a single episode, bro. Taking the breakup real. Yeah, bro. I'm Team Bushi. <laughs> oh man, I stand by my boy. Uh, so but that so the documentary was good. Yeah, it was real good. I definitely recommend you guys checking it out if you haven't seen it yet. Was there w- with you being like a diehard Kenny fan? Was there anything that you saw that like you didn't know before? Like you know, or was I mean, what were your thoughts? Uh, no, I mean pretty much everything that they show. I I mean, as far as information, I knew, but it was just kind of interesting to get kind of like. Kenny's perspective on stuff that was happening. They had Kota Ibushi there, oh, with subtitles, obviously. And then um, they had Okada. They had um, a lot of other, like, they had Dave Meltzer. They had some other people in media. Um, they even had some fans like Issa, who was a guest on Floyd's show a couple weeks ago from All Things Elite. Part of the Social Suplex Podcasting <laughs> Network. Yeah, so it was pretty cool seeing a couple other fans on there. It was cool seeing footage from shows we were at. There was a lot of footage from CEO. Uh, the Golden Lovers against Naito and uh, Hiromu. There's a lot of footage from All In. Uh, I mean, the crazy thing is, like, we've known about this pod or about this documentary since like September. Yeah, and we couldn't say anything. Like, 
and I was like, I felt like a real insider. I was like, we have like a real scoop. Like, <laughs> we knew about this ish. Yeah, we could have dropped this. We could, yeah, we could have, we could have literally like leaked it. But I think a lot of people knew about it, and no one said anything. So that's yeah. like pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, I definitely recommend you guys checking or, it out. Or, you know, maybe I, I just never will. I might not even get around to it. So. <laughs> this man's anti-elite. I'm not anti-elite. I, I'm excited for the for all things elite. What makes you think I'm anti-elite? I was just joking. It's a, it's a bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know you're not a you know, FDS. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Reddit user God Duckman. He says, are you guys planning a pre-plus show meetup in NYC? Would love to get together at the new Pepper Lunch. Um, What's the new Pepper Lunch? I have no idea. I'm guessing it's a restaurant somewhere in New York. Um, I'm about to Google that right now. But um, God Duck Man, we, we don't have anything officially planned besides Suplex Mania. What's it called? The new what? New Pepper Lunch. Uh, but yeah, we don't have anything officially planned as far as a meetup besides uh, Suplex Mania, which is happening on Sunday at Hooters for our WrestleMania watch party and live podcast event. Um, but a lot of people have been hitting us up and want to meet up and grab drinks and stuff. So we're trying to think through the kind of the best thing to do with all of our schedules and the different shows that we're going to to do. You know, try to meet up with some of you guys, grab a drink, grab some food um, either before or after some of these shows. And with that, I thought it would be kind of a good idea to just kind of let you guys know where we'll be at uh, all throughout the week, um, all the shows and stuff that we're planning on going to. Okay, so Pepper Lunch is a restaurant in uh, Midtown Manhattan. It's like pretty close to uh, Central Park and like Rockefeller Center, Carnegie Hall. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'd be down. I mean, if you're if you're buying. <laughs> If you're buying, man, absolutely, we will be there. Yeah, we are. We will. We will go anywhere anyone wants us to go. If you're, if you're paying, you know what I'm saying. You're gonna be a sponsor, keeping a strong style sponsor. Yeah, you're gonna be one of our sponsors. The sponsor dinner. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, no, yeah, we actually were thinking. Um, I mean, our schedule. We're gonna go over our schedules here, but maybe like before the Garden Show, our Saturday is like kind of open. Yeah, we're gonna be downtown. Depending on how cold everything is, I don't know, but yeah. yeah, so I mean, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right, so yeah, let's, let's talk about our, our WrestleMania schedule real quick. So um, Thursday is our kind of the first day we have kind of stuff booked. So so you're getting in what time Wednesday? So Wednesday, um, I believe I land around 3 o'clock. Uh, Rich Ladder, James Boy, and I are all on the same flight. We'll be landing around 3 and then you're on a later flight. Uh, yeah, I fly out at like eight. I'm getting in like around ten ish or like eleven ish. So yeah, I mean, th- I, there's nothing I really want to do there. But you're going to be going to the uh, the Hooters downtown, the uh, the original Hooters, kind of checking everything out. Yeah, we're Suplex Mania. scoping the area out, um, just kind of getting a lay of the land and kind of seeing what our setup's going to be. And then after that, I think we're just going to be chilling. Maybe we might explore the city. We might just be chilling at the crib. I'm not 100% sure. You're not going to the pizza party? No. <laughs> uh, you know, we might try to, like, figure out, you know, the transportation kind of stuff and where, you know, kind of map out some stuff. But, um, yeah, not going to any shows Wednesday. Uh, so, yeah, so that brings us to Thursday. Um, at 12 p.m., there is a New Japan uh, fan festival happening in uh, Brooklyn, 
so we're gonna go and check that out. I tweeted out the kind of the schedule at the on our Twitter account at ki strong style. It's it's at a location called Matsuri. It's in Brooklyn. Um, if you're familiar with like Italy, I don't know if how many of our listeners are familiar, but you know this is kind of like a growing trend in big metropolitan areas, like a ethnic. Um, warehouse sort of like uh, area with like shops and restaurants uh, devoted to like one ethnic like food group. So like Italy is like all based on Italian food. And so I've, I've been there before and it's really cool. And it looks like Matt Surrey just opened up, I think last, like late last year. Like, well, I think the the event's called New Japan Matt Surrey and the place is called Japan. Oh, Vill- that's right. My bad. It's yeah. called Japan Village. It's, it's Japan Village. You're right. Japan Village just opened up a few months ago, basically. And um, it's it looks just like an Italy basically, but it's all devoted to Japanese like culture, Japanese food, Japanese shops. So it makes sense that's why they're they're hosting it there. And I mean this uh this uh like festival. First off, it's free. Second off, it looks awesome. Yeah, and nobody's been really talking about it. So at 12 p.m. there's an opening ceremony with Jushin Thunder Liger. Then at 2 p.m. there's a uh, going to be a special stage performance with Toro Yanu. At 5 p.m., there will be a special talk show with Tetsuya Naito and Bushi. At 7 p.m., there will be a special talk show with Hiroshi Tanahashi. And then at 7.50, the closing ceremony also with Hiroshi Tanahashi. So they're going all day, it sounds like. Yeah. But it's going to be really cool. They've got uh, New Japan merchandise. uh, Yeah, dude. they got this, like... Uh, almost like a young boy tracksuit kind Yo, of thing. that tracksuit is it, fire, It's bro. hard, yeah. They got some towels. They got a tiger mask. Bro, you and me both need to get tracksuits and just walk around the city. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, dude. I can't even imagine the amount of money I'm going to drop on merch this freaking weekend, dude. I'm not. Uh, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever bought a shirt at WrestleMania weekend. Oh no, no, no. I bought a, a a Kaiju shirt that fell apart and is total crap. I I'm so pissed. I loved that shirt and it got ruined the the very first time I washed it. I couldn't yeah. believe it. But uh that's last year I spent like twenty dollars on streamers though. That you couldn't throw. <laughs> that I couldn't throw. <laughs> oh my god, that was so stupid. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll be there for a while. Um and then Well, I'm gonna have to head out. So I've right. got the first show of the weekend. I'm gonna have to make my way to Jersey City. Um I gotta figure out how to how to use the path uh bus system to get over there because I will be attending Josh Barnett's blood sport. Kumite, 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 kumite. Yeah, I am so 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 excited. Um, obviously the, the card looks like one of the best cards of the entire weekend and it's highlighted by the main event, Josh Barnett, the former open weight King of Pancrase, the youngest ever UFC heavyweight champion in history, uh, you know, multi-time, um, uh, grappling champion just across the board. Um, he'll be defending or he'll be taking on Pearl Rezu and mixed martial arts legend, murder grandpa. The King, Minoru Suzuki, like the second ever King of Pancrase, one of the founders of Japanese MMA. Um, I am just so, so, so excited to see this match. Like, I cannot wait. Yeah, that should be great stuff. I mean, that should be an overall great show. It's definitely, you know, one of the top shows for WrestleMania weekend, one of the shows that sold out. Definitely a good thing. Um, And unique. Yeah, very unique. Um, If you've never been to, I mean, well, it sold out. I mean, you can... Kind of look online for Reddit for tickets, but um, yeah, it's definitely a unique experience. Definitely a show, and it sold out. Yeah, 
I did. I I was trying to get a ticket for Jeremy and for Rich, but they flagged. <laughs> um, I had I it, last week. Obviously, you guys heard me get my ticket. This past week, I had other people online trying to hit me up for you know to sell me their tickets. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have anybody else to to tra- travel all the way to uh, Dirty Jersey with me. So yeah, because um, uh, we well we decided to uh, do the WrestleCon uh, meet and greet before the WrestleCon Super Show. Um, you know, I really want to try and get to meet uh, Barbaro Calvinario during the meet and greet and some of the other guys they're going to have out there. Yeah, um, once I saw that meet and greet, and I never actually really go to meet and greets or even mark about that sort of thing, but, like, the guys that are going to be there, I'm like, this was this was a tough decision. <laughs> like, God, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that meet and greet looks awesome. And also... You don't have to be attending the WrestleCon Super Show to go to the meet and greet. To go to the meet and greet, you don't need tickets. So I imagine like you guys probably want to get there early. early yeah, like I'm talking probably real early. Because, yeah, the meet and greet starts at five thirty. Bro, I think people will be there before three, probably. Yeah. If you want my honest opinion, there's gonna be people lined up because I mean, who's who's at that meet and greet? Uh, let me see if I could find like. It I know Dragon quick. Lee's there. I know. Um, Freaking Liger's gonna be there, mm-hmm. Cavanario, um, a bunch of other guys. Like it looks like so freaking awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to the uh, WrestleCon site here. Let's see if it, this thing will load for me here. Compelling radio as I try and search this meet and greet. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward just to the WrestleCon show. Um, you know, it's always one of the better shows of the weekend. You got to get a drop. You got to get a drop for the show, pictures, we can post this, make everybody that's, that all you who are listening who won't be attending WrestleCon, you know, be jealous. Yeah, so at the meet and greet, there's, there'll be Bandito, Cavanario, Dragon Lee, Zack Sabre Jr., Will Ospreay, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Masato, Masato Tanaka. Oh my god, that's like, that's such a freaking awesome lineup. Yo, uh, spit on Will Ospreay when you see him. And <laughs> <laughs> say, this is for my homie. No, uh, I'm just playing. Actually... If you can get, you should try to get Will Ospreay to do a, do a drop. drop. See what happens. Yeah, <laughs> people uh, people tend to uh, respond to Jeremy a little more pleasantly <laughs> than to me. Um, also, so, uh, Black Taurus and Puma King will be out there too. That's that's cool. Uh, so then we will both be attending the WrestleCon Super Show uh, at that starts at seven. Um, I'm hoping that my show doesn't go too late and that I can get back in a timely manner. There is the possibility. That I might be missing some of the early parts of this show, but this show looks incredible right now. Right, and uh, due to the visa issues with Dragon Gate, um, WrestleCon went ahead and announced four of the nine matches ahead of time. Normally, they only announce like one or two, and then the rest of the card is usually a surprise. But they announced four matches, and there's still going to be some surprises. So, um, obviously, the main event is you know the Never Openweight Champion. Will Ospreay taking on uh, Bandito, which is going to be one of the best matches of the weekend. Um, the uh, the semi-main event, which I think I'm almost as equally, if not more so invi- uh, uh, excited for, is Barbaro Cabernario taking on Dragon Lee. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. That looks awesome. And guys, that is Cabernario's only match of the weekend. He's, yes. He's flying back to Mexico after the Super Show. Yeah, and I just, I we talked about it uh, earlier on the show, but you have to imagine this guy's going to go all out. Um, they also had, Zack Sabre Jr. had an open challenge. They went ahead and announced his um, 
opponent, and it's going to be Shane Swerve Strickland in his probably what I think is going to be his last singles match on the indies. So that's going to be just freaking awesome. That's going to be incredible. Also, they announced uh, Eddie Kingston against Masato Tanaka. That's going to that's, that's going to be deliver. a strong style. Not only that, but SEU's announced for the card. Liger's announced for the card. Lucha uh, Brothers. The Lucha Brothers. And there's so much other talent. And if you've never been to WrestleCon Super Show, it typically, in my opinion, usually is the highest delivering indie show of the entire weekend. Yeah. I mean, that was the card last year that Bandito was kind of discovered and had a broke out and started getting um, his U.S. dates based on the performance of that night. Yeah, that, that was... Uh, in my opinion, one of the best uh, indie shows I've ever been to. So really looking forward to that. We don't have any plans following WrestleCon Super Show. It is slated for, for a four-hour um, what like a lot, uh, a lot allotted, allotted time. Yeah. So it's going to be a long show. Uh, we'll probably be getting out, like, what is that, 11? Yeah. So, you know, after that, maybe we'll head home. Maybe we'll grab a drink. I don't know. We're going to be in, in NYC. We'll be downtown. So that's the that's the first day, Thursday. Yep. And then, then Friday. Yeah, so Friday uh, for me at noon, uh, Rich James and I will be heading over to the Shimmer Show, which I think they just released a card for that. I know uh, James was uh, kind of popping for the stuff on that card. Um, and then at 4 p.m. We'll- James. Ladies wrestling fan. Yes. <laughs> uh, now at 4 p.m. we'll get some more women's wrestling. We're going to go to Stardom. Um, check out our first Stardom show and see what that's all about at 4 p.m. And right at, at that exact same time slot, I will be attending the RevPro uh, show in uh, at the Hilton downtown. Um, that show looks like it's going to be like a mini little like road to show or like a preview for the MSG show. It pretty much is like a road to show with some of the matches they have on there. It's like a road to show featuring Rev Pro guys. And and you know what? This is like one of the most New Japan. They had a lot of New Japan guys last year, but it seems like even more so this year. Um, Ishii will be in action taking on um, David Starr. Um, Taguchi will be uh, taking on um, Rocky Romero. Rocky Romero. Uh, Rapungi 3K will be in action, and the main event, which I am the what was the clincher, which made me decide to go to this instead of the uh, um, the uh, Stardom. I keep wanting to say Ice Ribbon, but the, <laughs> the Stardom show is um, the main event will be Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming up with uh, Will Osprey to take on the team of Suzuki Goon, Minoru Suzuki, and Zack Saber Jr. So I am very, very excited. Do we know, is Will Ospreay going to be on the show? Because I, I can't imagine. I mean, it seems crazy that he wouldn't be on a Red Pro show. He's teaming with Tanahashi. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I thinking? I, <laughs> I just said that. Yeah. Um, no. Okay, so Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre are in the main event. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Okay, disregard. <laughs> so that that will be around the same time slot that you guys are going to um, stardom. stardom. Yeah. And then later that evening, we will be attending NXT New York Takeover. Yes, uh, main event, two out of three falls. Adam Cole, baby, against uh, Johnny Gargano for the vacant NXT championship. Former real leader of the Bullet Club. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some of the other matches, obviously the match that's on everybody's mind, the one to really look out for, the uh, NXT United, uh, United Kingdom championship is on the line as Pete Dunne defends the title against... Walter, Dude, that's going to be incredible. Walter's going to kill Pete Dunne. 
Um, there's uh, what three other matches? Yes, there's the NXT Tag Championship match. The winners of the Dusty Classic, uh, Ricochet and Aleister Black, will be challenging uh, War Raiders for the tag titles. There's going to be a. It's a lot of New Japan talent on this show. Yeah, there's going to be a four way match for the women's title. Um, Shayna Baszler defending against um, Kyrie Sane, um, Io Shirai, and Bianca Belair. And then the uh, NXT uh, North American title is on the line as Matt Riddle challenges for the belt against the Velveteen Dream. So, I mean, this is a freaking star studded uh, show. This has every possibility to be the show of the weekend yeah. and i'm i actually have never been to a takeover neither have i dude this will be my first takeover i was supposed to go to takeover in orlando and uh i let some stuff get in the way <laughs> oh, man I, I i i chose i made some other choices <laughs> i had a ticket and everything and then i just uh yeah i didn't attend <laughs> uh but yeah so i'm really looking forward to that um, later that evening, we don't have any plans. There is a tentative plan. Um, there is a comedy show in uh, Brooklyn uh, thrown by a group called The Squared Circle. It's at a comedy club. And the idea, they've got six comics who will be competing inside of a wrestling ring um, doing comedy. It's like a wrestling-centric comedy show. It's 10 bucks. Um, we may or may not attend that. It's. It, I kind of think that would be something cool to go to, but I don't know. If not... Um, you know, we'll be out there. Yeah. Then that brings us to Saturday at 11 a.m. We'll be attending Pancakes and Pile Drivers. Yes. Which is um, Shane Swerve Strickland's official last indie appearance. They're building that around his last appearance now. Yeah, um, I believe it's uh, his team's what called the Unwanted. The Unwanted um, group from Evolve, from Eddie Kingston. Joe Gacy and Kobe Carino. I think they're wrestling OVE, so that will be his. And we, when we bought these tickets, we didn't know that that was going to be his final indie appearance. So that's pretty awesome. The show looks like a lot of fun. There's a lot of multi-man matches. I mean, like they've got like a Hoss Battle Royal. They've got a tag team gauntlet. Dude, that match. tag gauntlet looks fire. I'm not the biggest fan of gauntlets, you know. So I don't know. I feel like a lot of those guys will be hurting by the time that gauntlet shows <laughs> yeah. up. Um, but, I mean, the, the real draw of this show is unlimited all-you-can-eat pancakes, plus with your entry into the show, you get uh, free entry into WrestleCon afterwards. So I don't think we were even planning necessarily to attend WrestleCon, but how can you pass up free pancakes? How can you pass up a, an indie show early in the morning that also gets you into WrestleCon? So it, it's a triple win. you know. Yeah, you know, I mean, WrestleCon was great to us last year. We were able to. I didn't go. I know. Um, it was me and Rich. We were able to meet um, the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. We were able to meet Tomohiro Ishii, Minoru Suzuki. I was able to finally meet Shawn Michaels. So um, Juice. Oh yeah. Well, we met Juice at um, the WrestleCon. Show. I met Juice that night. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm really. I did get to go uh, to WrestleCon two years ago, but I really regretted not going this past year. So I'm looking forward to that, and. You know, Russ, we I don't know how long we'll be there, but we're going to be downtown. The good news is the first show of the day is downtown. WrestleCon's downtown. And then later that evening, Madison Square, we're going to be at the... Uh, G1 Supercard, baby. Yep, Ring of Honor, New Japan present the G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden. One of the most historic shows of all time. We're going to be there. I feel honored and privileged to be part of that. And uh, we got some kind of breaking news 
So obviously you heard oh, God. You, you heard our preview that we did with Amy at the beginning of the show, and we talked about Juice Robinson not having a match on this card, and we were talking about who could answer Bully Ray's open challenge. Well, it turns out that um, on the Road to G1 Supercard show they did in Baltimore, Juice Robinson has answered Bully Ray's open challenge. Yeah, so I saw somewhere online, and I'm not trying to stir controversy, but I saw something online where people were saying that it's most likely going to turn into those two guys plus uh, Minoru Suzuki. Why are people saying that? Have you seen anything that would lead you to think that 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 they're pointing in that direction? I ha- Well, Bully Ray did say one, one, one day a video was released of Juice accepting the challenge. Uh, Bully Ray replied and said, first of all, Suzuki was afraid to answer my challenge. Uh, Second of all, I'm going to kill you, Juice, something like that. So, gotcha. I mean, they could do something where Juice gets jumped. No, they better not do that. But that would really devalue that, Juice. Yes, it would. But I'm just saying if they somehow want to get this Bully Ray-Suzuki match, you have Bully Ray jump Juice before the match. Or, you know, you have, like, you know, Shane Taylor, one of Bully Ray's, like, you know, teammates on and off attack um, Juice. And then, you know, Bully's like, see, yeah, nobody can answer my challenge. And then you do have Suzuki answer the challenge. I, You know what? I'm not really – man – I feel bad for saying this, but I don't really want to see Juice and uh, Bully Ray, to be honest with you. Uh, that could deliver, and that they might just end up going that way. But I think the fact that he mentioned Suzuki leads me to think that maybe they do wind up doing maybe just a triple threat. Um, I feel like all the situations that you just like laid out are uh, bad booking decisions, in my opinion, because it really hurt Juice. Now, yeah, I, I don't want it to happen, but that's like that's the only reason. Unless they do, you said a triple threat, then you have another. Triple threat on the show. But I, I got to imagine, too, it's like they're setting Juice up for a no-win situation because, it, you know, people – it's like you want to get behind Juice, but at the same time, I like everyone in their mind was like, Suzuki's going to come down and kill this fool. And now it's probably not going to happen the way we thought it was. So yeah. it's like people I, are not going to be happy with it. But him. I will say from a storyline perspective, it does make sense for it to be Juice – Bully is one of the guys that is, you know, the most disrespectful against the code of honor. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And Juice's group, Lifeblood, is all about bringing back the honor in Ring of Honor, and have been stopping guys like the Kingdom and other heels. So gotcha. it kind of makes sense to have Juice kind of stand up against Bully Ray. Yeah, but so with that being said, uh, earlier in the day, that's why we kind of said our Saturday is wide open. We're going to be downtown all day, taking in the sights, hanging out. Eating food, drinking coffee, drinking drinks, getting lit. We're gonna be out there, so that might be the best time to. If anyone wants to meet up, hang out with the you know the guys of Social Suplex and keeping it strong style. I'm gonna guess Saturday. You know we might be pre-gaming a little bit for uh, MSG, but not too much because I want to be cognizant. I want to. Yeah, maybe we'll go to this uh, pepper lunch place. Um, if he's paying. <laughs> um, yeah, and so then um, Sunday. Suplex Mania. Yep. So at 5 p.m., the live podcast portion of Suplex Mania will begin. Uh, the uh, the guys from Grown Men Watch This Shit will be there. Uh, your boys here are keeping a strong style. One Nation Radio. Floyd Johnson from All Things Elite may be making a run-in appearance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It depends. You know, I know he's got to get all the way out to Jersey, so we'll see. But 
Um, we're going to be covering all the, the events that we've gone to, our favorite matches of the weekend, any breaking news, which I'm, you know how it is, WrestleMania weekend. There's always moves, different things happening, appearances, mm-hmm. surprises. We'll be covering all that. We'll be covering the NXT show, the uh, Madison Square Garden show, and answering your questions regarding WrestleMania. And then at 7 o'clock, the live watch party for WrestleMania will begin yeah, dude, it's going to be a great time. Come out, eat some wings with us, drink some beers, you know, we'll watch this WrestleMania. Uh, probably end up making fun of it throughout the night. <laughs> Guys, it's going to be cold. It's going to be raining. Uh, we know this. I know we're from Florida, so I'm not really looking forward to that aspect of the trip. Mm-hmm. But that being said, it's like there's a lot of people looking for places to tailgate. And I know, you know. How big is MetLife? There's probably like 80,000 plus that are going to be attending WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But there's even more of you who are heading home. I mean, I, I can't believe how many people I've talked to that are like, yeah, I'm going to be on my way home Sunday. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> there's so many people. Like, people are showing up for Madison Square Garden and then going home. Yeah. But if you're going to be in, in town and you're going to be in the area, come hang out with us. Watch this show. It's going to be an awesome time. We got the entire top floor of. Uh, the original Hooters run it out, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Like, I cannot wait. Yeah, it's going to be a great time, guys. All right, so we're just going to wrap up with some few quick news items here. So last week we talked about the Flip Gordon um, injury not being um, at uh, the Road to G1 show or being at the Madison Square Garden show. And just kind of an update on that. So um, he was officially set to return from his MCL tear. At the that Baltimore show, but then his knee locked up on uh, March 25th when he was flying from Ireland for the OTT promotion. So it's saying that um, Gordon might have suffered a bucket handle meniscus tear, which is the same injury that Cody and Michael Elgin um, suffered in the recent months. So if that is the case, then he will need a second surgery and will be out for as long as six months. Um, there's an MRI going out. Not sure if the results have came back yet. So if he needs a surgery, poor Flip will be out for six more months. And that's really killing the momentum he kind of built up last year. That's heartbreaking, man. That's heartbreaking. Uh, best wishes to Juice. Quick recovery. You mean Flip? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've got Juice on the mind. Uh, flip. And, uh, yeah, I hope I hope this isn't anything too serious, honestly. Yeah. In other injury news, David Finley went under surgery this past week from a torn labrum that he suffered on the Honor Rising show. So also same thing for David Finley, um, hoping for a quick recovery um, for him. And then the last thing here, um, so for the uh, G1 Climax, the opening day in Dallas, um, fans have been told that um, the local bell time will be 5 p.m., which will be 6 p.m. Eastern, and this show will be airing live on Access TV. Um, So really looking forward to going out to that G1 show. Hopefully tickets pick up a little bit more. Um, They've been slowly picking up. Um, Hopefully um, they after this G1 Supercard, they will go ahead and break tradition and announce the competitors in the blocks. Uh, One last thing. The free match of the week this week is the match from this past Wrestle Kingdom. Um... Kazushika Okada uh, taking on Jay White, a pre-show preview for the uh, G1 Supercard main event. So if you're not subscribed to, or to uh, New Japan Pro uh, NJPW World, uh, go ahead and check that out. It's uh, 
it was a great match and it's a great way to kind of prep yourself for this main event that we're getting ready to watch. Yes, yeah, so next week we'll be back with a review of the G1 Supercard show. And make sure you guys connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. Also follow us at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash social suplex. Join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Reddit, I am the pro, pro black guy. Josh is keeping his strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Uh, also on Wednesdays, every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryant. On Fridays, we have NXT Then, Now, and Forever. And Saturday, we have All Things Elite. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review. We want to see you guys in New York. Yes. Make sure you hit us up. Um, yeah, before we end the show, two things. For real, if you are listening and you are going to be in New York, hit us up for real. This is not an arbitrary, like, oh, hit us up. I'm being dead yes. serious. Actually hit us up. We will do. Our, we will make our best effort. If you're at the same show as us, we will say hello. We want to interact with you guys. If you want to go out after these shows and get drinks, let us know, let man. Let us know if you want to meet up uh, before the MSG show. We are down. We are the people's podcast. <laughs> yes, we are, dude. And uh, so, yeah, hit us up at KI Strong Style on Twitter. Probably the best way to go. We will be posting where we're at, what shirts we'll be wearing, so you can kind of you know, fit, find us and uh, meet up. So One other thing. Last year when we did our uh, WrestleMania episode, um, remember we had Rich and James on there? Me and Rich literally got into like an, a giant argument in the middle of the show <laughs> yeah. about whether or not Cody was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then now look at where we're at a year later. Like, All In came around. Rich was like, let's go, Cody! Get him, Cody! <laughs> and now this man's riding so hard for a company that this man is, up, like, one of the executive VPs for, like, man, times have changed. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, we want to see you out in New York. We want to see you at Suplex Mania. So, yeah, hit us up on Twitter, um, and we'll connect, guys. So, until next week, we will catch you right here on Keeping It Strong Style. The Ace of Podcasts. Ichiban. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 